This episode of the Eclectic Gamers podcast is brought to you by a new power rising in the east, the Roanoke Pinball Museum in Roanoke, Virginia. Oh yes, my precious. The Roanoke Pinball Museum is an interactive museum dedicated to the science and history of pinball. Golem. Their mission is to cultivate curiosity in science, art, and history through pinball while preserving and honoring its role in American culture. Yes! But you don't have any friends, so go to the museum every day except Monday. It has over 65 machines with models ranging from 1932 to 2018. It's a Roanoke Pinball Museum, and we want it! Rawr! Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is a snowy Sunday, January 12th. This is episode 106. I am Tony. I am Dennis. You made it, though. I the, made the, it. The road it must have been snow. all right. Uh, yeah, it, it's real easy. I put on my snowshoes. I uh, grabbed the St. Bernard and my spear, and we came, you know, hiking through. Killed a couple cave bears. Hunted a mammoth. Mm-hmm. We're going to have some steaks later. It's all good. That's nice. That sounds like fun. Yeah. I didn't do anything. I know. I'm a, I'm, I'm a village dweller. <laughs> a farm. <laughs> I, I, I farm. You're a first level farmer. You know, the, uh, the, they had one of those aptitude assessments when we were in middle school that mm-hmm. we had to take. And when I took it, the number one thing it told me I should be was teacher, which I thought I have no patience to Even back then, I thought I have no patience to teach people things. Mm-hmm. And then the number two was farmer. I I can't. I can't even see it. <laughs> I, you can't like, see me with a little, little stick of wheat in my mouth? Yeah. I'm going to grow me some soybeans. <laughs> I grew up around farmers. You might be surprised. The corn don't talk back, except when they're children in it. But... All right. Well, it's been a couple weeks. We had our, our last episode was jam-packed with you talking about video game progress, and we went through our year-end review on pinball. And so here we've got a whole bunch of stuff to go through on. You know, our anniversary of the podcast is actually at the end of January, which I think will be the fourth now. Probably. Because I believe we started in 2016. Right. And so... but. We always do some recap stuff during this episode because calendar years are just much more convenient for looking at yes, snapshots of definitely. of audience stuff. But before that, I guess, at least for my introduction, I have a few corrections and things. So I'll say mine and I'll then you can say whatever you've got and then we'll, we'll, we'll roll into the podcast statistics before we go into pinball and video games. But so first correction, Zach Minnie, who I co-host TWIP with, okay. he did write into us. To note that I was wrong regarding Stranger Things. I mentioned that the outer right orbit would exit out. It could either exit into the pops or exit orbit all the way around out through the left orbit. That latter part is not true. It, the, it actually just comes back from whence it came, comes back out the right orbit after it's done in the pop section. So oh, okay. I thought I'd seen it differently when I was trying to watch the stream that Jack Danger hosted. Yeah. The first reveal. But I was incorrect on that, so correction there. All right. Nothing wrong with that. 
well, other than the fact that my statement was wrong, there was nothing wrong with it. Minor technical error. Now, the next thing is a clarification. So this wasn't an error, but this was uh, Joseph Barlow wrote in to tell us about some games. We talked about Rick and Morty. Right. And that Magnus save you could hold in. Yep. The timed uh, magnet, but I didn't. Or, I couldn't yeah. think of other games that had a magnet that that you could like hold in to magnetize it longer. Or and if you tapped it, you just got a little burst. Grand Lizards like that though. Hopefully, Rick and Morty has as good of a soundtrack as Grand Lizard. I hate Grand Lizard so much. Uh, he also said Jungle Lord is another example of. I didn't even remember Jungle Lord had a magnet. I didn't either. I've played. I've played it a number of times. Yeah, no. So I'm like, okay, well, oh, okay, well. So thank you, Joseph, for the clarification. We do appreciate it. Uh, also, there are a couple new pinball podcasts, so I want to give alerts for those that don't, you know, you're looking for new stuff, you're tired of us, There's yeah. there are other options out there. Uh, first one I want to note is the called This American Pinball. There's a link to both of these in the show notes. This American Pinball, so I'm assuming the name is a play off of This American Life. Do you know This American Life, Tony? Yes. I like This American Life. Then you'll love This American Pinball. I've only heard the, the third episode. Uh I liked it. It's really well put together. Uh, so, and it seems to be a monthly. Yeah. So, so there's that. And then there is, and I believe the proper name is Macho Pinball Podcast, Pinball Podcast Vlog Show, hosted by. Oh, Ma- yeah. Yes. Yes. That's what it is. Macho Man or someone trying with a. I don't remember Macho Man enough to assess if the impression is good. Most comments I see say the impression is not that great, but the spirit is there. And so, so there's that. So Macho Man is hosting a pinball podcast. I will note that. And so far, they've all been around three minutes long. And he's put one out like every weekday since the first one. And uh, so anyway, I, I did hear the second episode on which he did ask for me to leave Zach Mini, or as he calls him, Zach Mini, and join him so he can complete my training, brother. So, um, <laughs> and I was torn on how to interpret this. I mean, it's very kind of of the Macho Man to to ask for my involvement on his show. Uh, but and I do like that it, that his statement clearly indicates that Zach failed. Well, yeah, obviously. So, with his, with his very Palpatine-esque offer here. It is now. But on the flip side, it also suggests that I need more training. <laughs> so, uh, so I guess everyone loses except Macho, who wins. I don't, I guess that's, I guess that's how it worked. <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's all I have for intro updates for me, but. Uh, mine are nowhere near as fun as yours. Uh, it's nothing anybody cares about. So we can just keep going. I mean, nobody cares about my work stuff. Nobody no, cares about, uh, I mean, all I've done that it, I would normally talk about, we're going to talk about most of it in the video game section, so mm-hmm. I'm just going to leave it till then. I so. got moved where I'm at my new office. I'll move. That's good. Yeah, they ended up, I I had, we had planned for me having roughly probably 400 to 500 square feet. I have 175. <laughs> it is a tight fit. That's a. It's like desk, filing cabinet, filing cabinet, other desk. That's it. That's some, uh. Somebody needs to work on their math. Well, uh, I, no, I was more than I was more than happy with the math when I saw the calculation for the rent payment. <laughs> it's gonna be like it's not even here's your, here's it's your not even half what I budgeted. No, it's a uh, it's excellent, excellent pricing. So that worked out pretty well. All right, well, uh, yeah, we'll kick we'll kick it on over to the 2019 podcast statistics. Then statistics, you love them, there's you lies, love them, there's there's lies, polynomials. And there's statistics. 
Uh, I guess the first thing we should go ahead and open with is growth. Was there growth for Eclectic Gamers podcast in 2019 versus 2018? The answer is yes, though we did not have an episode this year that eclipsed our top episode from last year, which, uh, to my knowledge, is still our top episode of all time, which was the Deep Root interview episode well, yeah. with Robert Mueller. That's uh, no surprise. No, no. There are a lot of non-regular listeners who just tuned in because I think that was the first audio interview that Robert participated in. However, our annual plays for the year... We're up 42.5% versus 2018. That's hefty. It is. It's far more than I thought. I actually thought we'd be flat. I was going to say down, but not really down. I, I thought the average plays would be relatively flat to last year because we had quite a bit of growth in 2018. And I, again, we're on the smaller side, so I'm not surprised. I mean, we still would, in theory, with pinball people alone, have room to grow, but it's a question of how much is that actually attainable given that we are mixed gaming and that will turn off a certain subset of people that only want to hear pinball. They'll never, they'll never accept us as a podcast. That's true. And so our audience, we're more niche than a standard, than a video game podcast would be or a pinball podcast would be. And that's just what we accepted going into this is that's just, that's what our audience will be. So I was really surprised to see that. I would assume most of it, a lot of it comes from your increased hosting of Twit probably helps. Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess my coming more regularness to get to hear you speak without having Zach there to drag it down. You think so? Yeah. That, I mean, it, it could be. They do. They want to hear a more sane discussion. Right. You are a solid alternative to Mr. Shock Jock himself. <laughs> so, which, yeah, you know, that Zach... He's very, and I think he'll be the first to tell anyone this is, you know, he, that's his view of entertainment. You know, you got to make it big. Like, well, like Macho Man. You right. Gotta, you got to be over the top. You got to be, you got to do hard takes. You got to be really, really uh, almost aggressive with it, even when it's wrong. You just lean into that a statement that I've been using a lot of, as someone yeah. pointed out on the Discord, say lean into a lot. Uh, and it's a, it's that's a valid, his thing, it's a perfectly valid that's thing. That's not the approach we do here. No. I mean, we I, disagree, we disagree, but since you're less wrong about pinball than Zach is, we don't tend to disagree. Well, that's because I know much. things about pinball. Right. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's very helpful to have some base of knowledge. One doesn't have to be an expert to be right. One just has to have a baseline of knowledge. So, episodes. I mentioned we have anything that performed as well as uh, the Deep Root interview from last year. What was our top episode? Well, it was episode 100. Ooh. Centurion. Yeah, that's obviously the one where we celebrated hitting the 100th episode milestone. We didn't really do anything special. No, we didn't. We didn't ask people to give us audio. We didn't ask for congratulate. In fact, there were, I had a few people message me after the, like two, after the episode aired, like, oh yeah, congratulations on reaching 100, Dennis. Yeah. Like privately message me. And that was it. Yeah, no. I mean, we didn't do anything big because it's, it's just so many people make these huge, insane deals over it and it just seemed played out. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so anyway, for episode 100, we talked about, we did the deep dive on our thoughts about displays in pinball. That's the one where we reviewed Pinball FX3's Monster Pack. Right. It's also where we discussed the Walking Dead Raw Thrills arcade game. And you went through a lot of coverage on BlizzCon for 2019. So all things that, that aim are right at our base. Yes. Lots. Yes. All things. <laughs> uh, 
I remember when we did the stats in 2019 over 2018, we talked about, because we had a lot of guest hosts in 2018. We did. We talked about what was most popular with that. Well, unsurprisingly, we only had like two guests this year. We had the episode way back at the start of 2019 with Nick Baldridge talking about Coin-Op Carnival, and we had him guest host. And then a few episodes ago, we had Jason Knapp back on Mm -hmm. uh, for uh, to guest host. That was on episode 98. That was, he was and the more. We've had one other guest. We have, and I'm blanking. Nick, when you, when he brought me my oh, yeah. campus. Oh, yeah, our special episode uh, with Nick Shell. How where, could where, I forget where, that? Where, where you guys surprised me. Where we went down to check out Jack's to Open, the hit Model Star game. Yeah. I, that was so, I, I don't know if I mentioned it on that episode. I can't remember. But I almost didn't go with you. you. Did. I you almost went to the bathroom. I was like, like I'll I just gotta, go to the bathroom. I gotta pee, uh, but it's just to open. I can't, yeah. I can't miss <laughs> it. Like, which would have made that whole thing even fun. Where, where, where's Tony? I, I don't, uh. <laughs> Tony, we need help. I was, I was trying to come up. I don't have to come up with something. Like, Tony, the leg fell off. Help me. Help me. But um, I'm driving the kids off the pool. Yeah. So so of those three, uh, Naps episode was the most popular, which was easy to determine because actually episode 98 was the second most played episode of 2019. So we had that. And then our third most popular episode was, these are all really close yeah, together. Was and episode, late in the year. Yeah, was uh, episode 101, the one I, I so cleverly t- titled Rosal Dazzle. <laughs> Tony doesn't get to pick the titles. What happens is, I mean, you could, I suppose, but, but what happens is when I get done editing and I'm writing up the public show notes, yeah. I just try and throw in a name and I either alliterate or I try and incorporate elements of whatever the episode was about. And since we talked about Raza, at some point, it might have been late when I was doing these edits, and I thought Razzle Dazzle made sense. Some of some some of them, I, I maybe, some maybe of them are dro- really good. Maybe it drove the you, the way you said that indicates that this was not one of those. But <laughs> but I like Centurion. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, of that, course, that's great. Centurion, or uh, that was a playoff of Praetorian from Gladiators. But still, <laughs> um, so that episode are. Third most popular was where we talked about the Raza prototype reveal from Deep Root Pinball. And also, uh, you went in depth on the Google Stadia launch. Yeah. So, Stadia. so those are bests, but you know, it's not all about winning. There's also losing that happens on Eclectic <laughs> Gamers podcast. So our worst episode, not including, as I've always excluded, the year end review because it's always right at the very end of the year. And so you'd get truncated stats and it would always look like the worst one. Uh, because I actually just, my snapshot is January 1 to December 31. I don't allow, even if the episode is, uh, you know, people play into 2020. I don't count those uh, in the stats. So worst episode was also a late in the year one. It was episode 104, Beneath the Morty and Video Game Awards. <laughs> so one of my not so good titles. Uh, <laughs> And that, so that was the second to last show of 2019. So there could still be an issue that the tail wasn't very long. Right. Impacting that. Uh, the play numbers aren't terrible, incidentally, when I looked at the play numbers. But other things was that episode was extremely video game heavy. It was, uh, it was, I think there was more video games than pinball, which is atypical. We're usually relatively balanced to pinball possibly being up to 70% of the episode. Right. So there's that. Uh, it was also released during the holiday period, which, which normally I see de- depressed downloads 
during periods where people are on a lot of vacations. So 4th of July, for example, is another time where you see the numbers just lag, at least initially, while people are not doing the work thing and not doing the commute thing. So, and then there was also what I mentioned before, the fact that the tail wasn't very long. So I just didn't yeah. have as much of a stat period to rely upon. But anyway, that was our, so that was our worst episode. That was the episode where I was dying. So yes, but you were there. It wasn't my, the worst episode wasn't my solo episode. It wasn't the once. solo episode. Wow. It, it should have been, but it wasn't the solo episode. Oh, that was the episode before that, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. So then the, uh, or was it? I didn't, we, I didn't talk about the game awards. Oh God. No, it, I, oh, I, why didn't I put in my notes? Probably because of the shame. You're right. Because, because that's right. I just tore were... through them. Uh, and it was most of the content, but there was no content because it was just me. Okay. Well, no, that, why didn't I write that down? The reason why that one was bad is it was me doing it solo, which has always been one of our worst performing episodes. <laughs> I have like one person out there who likes it when well, I do it solo and that's it. The thing is, is there are a lot of solo people vomiting their opinion out podcast and we're not designed like that. And I don't think. Yeah, but there's we- not a lot in gaming, is there? <laughs> Yeah, okay. there, there's a fair amount. Okay. They're just not the big ones because nobody really cares about that for the most part. Mm. Pinball is a small enough hobby that the the solo guy regurgitating opinions out can be fairly popular, but most podcasts tend to run on a larger, more back and forth thing. Yeah, but in within pinball, and I, I don't listen to all pinball podcasts, but very few do solo. Very few. Almost all are doing a duo, duo host system or... They do like uh, pinball profile and backbox pinball podcast and rely on constant guests. Right. So there's always more than one person. I mean, Twip uh, rotates guests. Yeah, yeah. It's just it that formula. I mean, really, the only I was going to say the only highly successful. It's not right. I was just going to say of of all the ones I've heard, and I do listen to some solo ones, but the only one that I ever thought really mastered the format very well was Coast to Coast. Yeah. Just my opinion. But says that I mean, was the strongest act. To me, the strongest solo performer podcast aren't going to be in a situation like they're not they're not in video gaming. Right. They're not in right. now now stuff like 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 uh the history podcasts are very strong solo podcasts. Yeah. yeah. Educational stuff like that, that's a very strong Those are solo very scripted shows. Where right. It's it's designed that way. Yeah. So, because if they were ad-libbing history, it would probably suck. Probably. I mean. <laughs> There's a reason Hardcore History only puts out, like, two a year. Yeah, well, even, <laughs> that's that's really <laughs> rounding up for him right now. Though, though he says he's going to get better. It's a great show, by the way. Check out Hardcore History. It's my favorite it. podcast. It's nice to have a favorite podcast that only puts out. Yeah, a couple episodes true. a year. That's true. Real easy to stay caught up. That's it. I'm, I still haven't. You listened. still haven't because I still, still haven't a, listened to the news. Multi hours long. Yeah, it's a big thing. Um, so uh, other other breakdown podcast statistics. Uh, top five listening countries for 2019. These are the same in the same order as 2018. USA followed by Australia, USA, followed by Canada, USA. followed by the UK, and Sweden rounds out the five. Okay. Probably the Overwatch players out there. I, I would assume so. Yeah. Our top Torbjorn. ten. Top ten. Yeah, ready to throw. Uh, our top ten listening cities for 2019 in order. Chicago. Everett, which is in Washington. San Jose. 
New York City, Overland Park, which is in Kansas, mm-hmm. Oklahoma City, Seattle, Dallas, Minneapolis, and L.A. So that's some of those are pretty, in, yeah, pretty that's large. Yeah, kind of an interesting That's like, okay, spread. so Chicago, it's the heartland of pinball. So I guess all the manufacturers that are hanging on our every word are Right. Are, they've they've are got, they have, they have hired dedicated podcast listening people. Sure. The whole job is to keep the pulse, mm-hmm. the pulse of the podcast. Uh, New York and LA are massive cities. That's not surprising. Everett and Seattle are both in Washington state, which is uh, a major state for pinball. Uh, Overland Park's not too surprising because there are a few people that out of guilt listen to us in the Kansas City area and it's gonna, some of those are gonna be tagged. <laughs> it's got, the way the, the stats will work is you don't get every little, uh, right. third class city on there. So Overland Park is one of our largest cities in, in, on the Kansas side of the border. Uh, Oklahoma City is a surprise to me, as is Minneapolis, because I don't know anything about those places. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so, I don't know and Dallas is pretty big too. So Dallas makes it. So I guess not, not, not too shocking. Uh, I, I, I do with the, with the countries. I want to make sure that our, our listeners from Sweden know that, uh, the Swedish Volhund is like my short list for the next time I get an animal because it's awesome. I don't know anything about what you just said. It, it, and it, neither do the Swedes. It's a dog breed. If any Swede disagrees and knows about this dog breed, write into eclecticcamerspodcast at gmail.com and give your thoughts on the breed so Tony can read about them. They're awesome looking. He thinks they're already awesome, but yeah. I suspect perhaps that they can't be trusted. That maybe they only eat salted licorice, which I personally like and thus will not share with the dog. Salted licorice is good. It is. Some people don't like it, but they think they, they think that because they've never had it. Like baklava. <laughs> And some people don't like salted licorice because they've had it. But we don't. Count <laughs> you those get to people. watch them running it to spit it out. We don't. We don't keep those. <laughs> those, those aren't real people. The uh, so sources of listeners. Uh, our top website sources of listeners are are most of the. I shouldn't say website because we're still talking about the SoundCloud stats. Most of our listeners who aren't subscribing via RSS. That's right. probably a better way to say. It. So most people find us through Google. I, you know, like anything. Right. Uh, Facebook is our second largest source and directly accessing the podcast through the website we re- maintain at eclecticgamers.com. That's the third highest source. So people who have bookmarked the page, probably. Uh, that's what I seem to recall. The website used to be a lot lower on that list. It did. It did. But I think a lot of people like it because it's all organized in a clean. I keep it pretty clean. Yeah. Blog no, it- format and everything like that. And if you want to play through a web browser and you don't want to, like, you don't have a SoundCloud account, you might as well just bookmark the web page and click the play button through there. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, uh, I just note that, uh, Pinside has a significant number of referrals. We have a, we have a podcast thread, but sometimes we get referenced in the other threads too. So it's that I kind of have to group it all together. Yeah. Pennside's a big source for us. And Tilt Forums actually is a fairly large source as well, but it's not even half what we get from Pennside. And Tilt Forums is the much more positive forum, which is <laughs> also I, not by design, but I think just by the nature of the people who have been there, it's much more competitively oriented. Whereas Pennside's very broad. Maybe I should check Tilt Forums out. You might like Tilt, especially if you want to read up on game rules and stuff. A lot of discussions on that. Um, and then as far as the RSS feeds go and podcatchers, the apps that people run on their phones and tablets in order to listen easily to podcasts, which I do recommend if you have a smart device to try and do that because it keeps track. People who complain about podcasts being too long and stuff, you use a podcatcher. It'll pause for you and remember where you yep. are and it makes it a lot more consumable. Uh, so that's what I do. Most of our listeners, like 
and I think it's actually a majority, over half, are using Apple Core Media iPhone, some version of it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So apparently they don't understand that Android's better. So what can but you do? But we still love you. We do. It's okay. We do. We don't judge too much. Uh, our next most popular app is Overcast, followed by Podcast Addict. That's the one I use. Followed by Apple Core Media's iPad version. Followed by CastBox Podcast Player. Followed by your preferred app, Pocket Cast. That's the one I use. Followed by Stitcher Radio for podcasts. I've heard good things about it. Uh, yeah. And then uh, iTunes itself. So all of those that I've listed had at least 500 plays through the app. So those were all our major ones. Yeah. But there are a whole bunch. Zune's even still in the list. So why is Star-Lord listening to a pinball I podcast? Don't, I don't know. Zune's in there. Also, <laughs> one of the things in there, Apple Core Media for iPod. yes so okay anyway that's all the stats i I gathered that i thought people might want to hear about now we're being tracked on smoke signal (laughs) it's like oh god for smoke signal (laughs) we've got a translator app to put us into morse code (laughs) yes (laughs) so let's go ahead and, and translate from the statistical anomalies that are the zune and move on over into pinball uh, only a couple of things, the one's going to dominate our pinball discussion, obviously. The first thing is, I will note, I did finally write a new article. It's been, Yay. I think, over half a year since I did one. You have been kind of busy. I have, but nonetheless, now that I have a mechanical keyboard to motivate me with the clicky clacks, it's like, let's let's hammer one out and feel like I'm actually hammering one out. So I wrote I wrote an article on Italian bottoms. Pinball design, lower play fields. It was a good article. I enjoyed it. Oh, you um, actually read it. I yeah, I did. Actually. I do have a link in the show notes for anyone who uh, hasn't seen it yet, but I thought it was interesting the how'd you put it? The 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 atypicals the the list of some of the atypical bottoms mm. that are still Italian bottoms, but they're atypical. Right. But, but yeah. And that's why uh, I wrote it. Yeah, there were some pretty interesting ones in there. It's a. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good article all in all. Good. I'm glad mostly I I, feedback's been pretty positive, what feedback I did get. I'm more of a top guy than a bottom guy, but I understand. Sure, sure. I, yeah. I understand. But the the issue with the, the atypicals, as I noted, yeah, that especially with Rick and Morty right. now coming out. And I thought – I actually looked back through my notes because I, I, I know this will shock people, but I, organ, I organize in a very structured way how I do articles. So I actually have a folder for articles with subfolders by year with sub-subfolders for each article. So I look through my sub-subfolders before I start something new. I had started the Italian bar- Bottom article in 2018, and I gave up. Huh. One, it was one of my get, one of my quitter articles, as I call it. <laughs> like, like uh, I had last year, or not last, now it's two years ago, but in 2018, I had nine published articles, but I actually started 12. So there were three that, one, you read and said, this is really boring, so I, I scrapped it. <laughs> And then there were a couple others that didn't get as far. Like the one Tony read was done. And yeah, I just it was like, no, it doesn't work. I was skeptical. And then when he said, this is really boring, Dennis is like, okay, <laughs> that one's not going out. Those thousands of words, they're lost. Well, they're not lost on my hard drive, but, but they're lost. So Italian Bottom, I tried to start and I didn't get through the intro. And the 
So with Rick and Morty, I thought, I really, I feel like I need to write it now before we start a whole new wave of people thinking that anything that doesn't have two symmetrical slings is not an Italian bottom because it's not what it was about. Right. But when I try and do research on it, there's not a lot of play. There's hardly anything that defines Italian bottom on the internet. There are like four sources and most of them are just referring back to other so, other the, so, the, yeah. so it's like okay well we have enough because there's a really nice clean write up from from Kamik on the, but it's buried in Paragon on the IPDB IPDB doesn't have in their glossary definition for Italian bottom so you have to find it another way so given that and Steve Ritchie in an interview with Pinball Magazine in an, on, an online accessible version also talked a lot about his modifications to the Italian bottom because he always does an Italian bottom ever since Flash. Right. But, and I remembered reading that and reading that he liked to, he doesn't like to vary his Italian bottom at all because he wants people who go up to his games to always feel that part's familiar because he thinks people prefer to have it. And clearly the manufacturers think people prefer to have an Italian bottom because <clears throat> they keep doing it. But, it's gone beyond all of that now where we have a standardized lower, lower layout. Right. Where we don't even deviate from that. So it's not just having in lanes that are feeding the flippers. It's having the slings in the same. And then, but that wasn't what was meant. So that's why I thought it was like, let's write it up and let's do some categories with some photos. And I, you know, uh, Eric Hoke supplied a lot of those photos because he takes a lot when he, we, he goes down with us to TPF. Yeah. So he, he has he he albums. Of, yeah. He has albums of playfield layouts. So like, he takes a playfield, a yeah. playfield layout picture of so every he, machine yeah. we touch. Yeah. And so he gave me a permission to use any of the photos he had taken for that. So I just started going through and I'd look through his photos and I'd be like, all right, here's a, I had plenty of Italian bottom examples in my own collection. But right. Like, but beyond that, I was like, oh, here's an example of an atypical Italian. Let's, let's use that. I don't need very many, but let's just use a few of those. And so anyway, that was kind of how the article happened and, and why I was motivated to write it. And Spooky gave me the permission to use their Rick and Morty photo, which I really appreciated. That, that's nice. Yeah. Because, you know, them, even though it's an Italian bottom, I don't want to downplay that. That's not a, in a lot of ways, that's a risk to deviate that, and is. make that atypical with that pop. That's yeah, not happening. Because the long normal time. from in the article and stuff, the normal atypical you see is instead of two in lanes, or instead of one in lane on each side, one of the sides will have two in lanes. Right, right. And or I, both sides will have two in That's the typical atypical. Yeah, and, or that, and, that's why, right. yeah. and that's where I classified those as still typical lower layouts because the slings are still up against those in lanes. Right. Uh, the star, where I, I used a more neutral term, up against the start of the lane segments. But you would have this, Lawler loves this, Pat Lawler. He loves to do an asymmetrical Italian bottom. Okay. Where he puts more in lanes on one side than another. So... With Kamik and his definition about, and, and you look back even before Paragon, and the, it gets weird with, cause there are a couple versions of Paragon, but the, an inlane on each side and an outlane on each side, that's the traditional Italian bottom. But having multiple inlanes or multiple outlanes, if it's still feeding the same way, every goal of the Italian bottom is being met. Right. That's why I gave it its own category. Yeah. But yeah. And there are a lot of weird examples. Like people will ask, well, is, I just didn't have photos of them, so I couldn't use, and I didn't want to go through a three-week process of securing photos. I've done that before. I hate it. Um, but like Wheel of Fortune. Well, how do we treat Wheel of Fortune? Like, to me, Wheel of Fortune is an, is an Italian bottom, but it's atypical. Even though the layout, because like, 
it, and you've probably never seen it because it's not. No, I've a, never seen it. I've only seen one in person once, but the reason it's still got an inlane on each side and an outline on each side. It's got a center post. Okay, well that doesn't change the Italianness, right? It. But the center. It's interesting though because the center post to the left and the right of it, where there's the gap, there are switches. So it looks different because there's a switch, a rollover switch. It affects the wheel in some way. And then the outlanes, once the ball goes through an outlane, there's a an upper path drain and a lower path drain, each with its own switch, separated by a guide. So there, there's an incentive to nudge. So to me, that's enough to be atypical, but it's still a talent. Still, it's still an Italian This is an bottom. atypical lower layout. So Interesting. Interesting. Because I know, like, like we spoke... The, the, the campus queen, most definitely not Italian bottom. Right. Uh, and in the EM era, non-Italians were, there were a lot of Italians. And in fact, uh, John Norris, the designer with Premier, when he saw the article it, on one of the shares, he posted and he said that he worked with people when he joined Gottlieb that had been around in the sixties when he, uh, which I did not know, he provided why was it called Italian bottom? Because Kamek noted that this was a request from a variety of European countries. Right. And he knew it was called Italian, but Kamek never said why it was called Italian. And the reason, according to John Norris, that it was called Italian, this spoiler for those, well, not spoiler, because it's not, this is extra. This wasn't in the <laughs> article, was because Gottlieb had an Italian distributor, a big one of theirs, contact them and say, any design you do that doesn't have this Italian, he didn't call it the Italian, doesn't have this layout, I won't buy. Because our people don't want it. Yeah. And so they just start calling it the Italian bottom. Because if you wanted to sell to the Italian distributor, you had to give him an Italian bottom. Or he wouldn't buy it. And then he bought a lot of games. So he had a lot of pull. So that sort of stuff. Uh, just really interesting to me. I always like that. Stuff. The problem is, as the, the histories, the, 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 the legacy of pinball, it's getting harder and harder to find stuff that hasn't. Like, I don't like to write about something that's already been done. Well, now all the low-hanging fruit's going away. It's, <laughs> it's getting hard. Like, like I'd love to know who were the designers for Playmatic, who did all those games. I don't know. Company was out in Spain, and even with my what little Spanish I can remember, you know, you'd think I'd do better after four years of it. But I don't know any doc documentation. Like, where's the documentation? Where are the people I can ask? Road I don't trip. know. Road trip. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll hit, we'll hit that before we go to TPF. We'll go and we'll, we'll just we'll fly over to Spain, yeah. do some research, yeah. come fly back to Dallas, and we'll just drive home. Yeah. That's fine. Easy. That's easy. Speaking of easy, let's go over the Twippies. That was easy. That's actually. Right. That actually was pretty uh, yeah. easy this the year. The Twippy voting is uh, open right now. It's open through January. So I do have a link in the show notes to the ballot for anyone who is still not yet voted. Go ahead and vote for what you think is the best and the favorites. Uh, as we have always done, we'll go through our, our picks on this stuff. And in fact, I was going to go ahead and open up the ballot so that I could also list some of these choices. Um, Other than the ones we chose. Yeah, yeah. Ball. Just, I mean, most, it's going to be really clean through the, uh, games, through the games because other than, other than a couple of weird, I shouldn't say weird. There are a couple of exception categories that exist, but by and large, it's pretty, it's pretty clear cut. Okay. So for most of these categories, the choices are going to be Stern Pinball's The Munsters, 
And we're going to do the, the best. We're going to do the game ones first. For, because that's the order in the battle. Right. Uh, so, Stern Pinballs the Monsters. Jersey Jack Pinballs Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Stern Pinballs Jurassic Park. Stern Pinballs Star Wars Home Edition. Suncoast Pinballs Cosmic Carnival. American Pinballs Oktoberfest. Stern Pinballs Black Knight Sword of Rage. And Stern Pinball's Elvira House of Horrors. However, there are some exceptions, like the Medieval Madness remake from Chicago Gaming Company shows up under Light Show. Right. Because it had a new Light Show. There's also, I believe, on artwork, you have the option of the Star Wars comic edition. Because Star Wars Pinball, right. non-home edition, came out a couple of years ago. But because of that artwork, it gets qualified to be eligible for that. So, so just bear in mind, we're not going to read them all out for every category like that. I just wanted to make note of all the games that are really in consideration because of that, because of that logic. So with all that said, let's go ahead and start it off with the first category, which is what is the best theme? And they note this is based off of theme only, which actually makes this kind of hard. Right. So you're really just being asked to assess like what's the greatest theme. That, right. Or at least greatest theme for pinball without, and I, you know, without judging how well it was or was not integrated. So for me, it was pretty easy. Star Wars is the biggest franchise of all time. So Star Wars Home Edition by default for me has to be the best theme for no other reason than it's Star Wars and people love Star Wars. I considered it. I really did. It was number two on my list. Mm. I number one, I went with Jurassic Park. Mm. Which because, was number two for me. Right. Because of just the uh, popularity and the uh, nostalgia factor uh, that it has, just like Star Wars has. So I think those two were uh, running neck and neck on the decision. Mm. And I'll be 100% honest, I flipped a coin between them. Really? Interesting. Well, they are both mega blockbusters. So Yeah. Because I'm, Jurassic Park lives on now through the Jurassic World. Uh, soft reboot. Yeah. Now, if it had been a Mandalorian themed pinball machine, that's the perfect Star Wars theme right there. Well, yes, yes. The the, <laughs> Ma- the Mandalorian and the yes, we know it's not really Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda is yeah. the hotness right now. And it in, is the new hotness, and the memes are the greatest. And in fact, Stern Pinball on their social media has been teasing stuff regarding Mandalorian. Are they trolling or do they have it? We don't know. We do know that Stern has a long history with doing properties with Disney. So, Oh, man, that'd but, be awesome. But obviously not just them. Jersey Jack did Pirates of the Caribbean. That's a Disney franchise. But still, the the legacy of <laughs> the good franchises. The good franchises. Well, yeah. I'm, okay. assu- I'm assuming that, that, that the <laughs> listeners could hear my eyes roll when you mentioned Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, and, you know, uh, and Stern had that one, too. They just had it first when it was relevant. Right. So, they, they, they had it back when it mattered. Yeah. So the next category is Best Animations and Display. So for me... I went with Black Knight Sword of Rage. I really like the, it's just like, to me, it was this huge step up. It huge. was amazing. I took it as the same, but I just, just because, I mean, the hand, all of the various monsters you fight are just. Shai Halud. Yeah. Shai Halud. Uh, uh, everything. The, 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 the pimp slap when you, when, when you danger and tilt. Oh, yeah. All of that stuff is just it, it's it's just next level interesting. 
without just being, hey, we we ripped off movie clip assets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it it it. I think that one was an easy one. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a struggle for me. Uh, best light show. So this is the the interaction of the bulbs in the in the game itself. So I did go with Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory by Jersey Jack. I think light shows have always been something that Jersey Jack's been pretty strong with. They just, they use a lot of color changing RGB. I'd say, I think, I haven't seen Rick and Morty's light show yet, but, uh, you know, Scott Denisi with his total nuclear annihilation is like the best light show I've seen in. Right. But that wasn't up this year. So given that, while I don't like, it's weird because I don't like the lighting on Willy Wonka. It's too dark. Like, I it, I think it should have GI that's always on and just white. I mm-hmm. think games should have that. And even TNA doesn't do that. But that said, what I've seen it do with its RGBs, I thought was the most impressive. So I chose Willy Wonka. This is one of those where I think we were real close because Wonka was my second. I did go with um, Black Knight. Ah, okay. Uh, it Mainly for the little stuff. Uh, the flame, the little, oh yeah, the, yeah, the, that, the, the, the burning castle, the burning castle, That's pretty the, cool. all that stuff like that is what moved it over because I'm one of those people like you talk about art. You don't really ever notice art. It's there, but right. it's not something you really know. The light show, it's there. And my general rule on a light show is as long as it doesn't piss me off, it's fine. Right, right. And the thing is, is Wonka's light show pisses me off. Yeah. I tried to factor in that. I wouldn't be so mad at Wonka if at the 403 Club it wasn't in such a dark lighting condition where right. I'd lose track of the ball when the when the lights in the game dim. Mm-hmm. But it is. But I yeah. so I tried to look past it. I, I didn't. But I didn't even try. It's like that that's my whole thing is if something if uh, something has a really cool gimmick that moves it up even higher, mm-hmm. but as long as it doesn't actively piss me off, it's a good luck okay. show as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and that, that was sense. the thing. Because of how I've played Wonka and everything, it just it annoys me. So I couldn't um, put it up on top. Best toys and gimmicks. This one was easy for me. Is Black Knight sort of rage the night toy? It's awesome. Oh yeah, that flail. That flail is amazing. Mm-hmm. I like the whole mech. I like the Everything. shield that gets lifted. Everything about it. That's why it's my number one too. Everything about that is awesome. Yep. Uh, best theme integration uh, for me. This one was pretty easy. Uh, I chose Jurassic Park. I I get that for some people. It's probably controversial. Because they did not put like any like the movie's not in there, so it's telling its own story. That might okay. that might bother some people, but the story it's telling about all right, the animals are loose on the island. You're trying to rescue the workers. You're trying to recapture the animals. I think it feels like you're in Jurassic Park. It so does. For me, That's why I did the same for me. And compared to everything else, I mean, Black Knight would have probably been my second because it does feel like you're on a journey to battle the Black Knight. I kind of downgraded it a bit because there are so many things like the Hydra and the, like, it's more like you're fighting a bunch of monsters. Yeah. I've never gotten to face the black Knight, So, <laughs> so to me, it's like, he's, oh, he's making remarks, but it's not as well integrated as Jurassic Park was. Yeah. No. Right. And I, I did Jurassic Park too, for the same reasons. Okay. It, it is a game that very much gave me the feel of being in that story. Best music and sound effects. Uh, I went with Black Knight, Sword of Rage. How could you not? Awesome. Uh, I mean, I guess if you got really annoyed with the heavy metal Anthrax track, you might not like it. But for that alone, I was like, nope, it feels epic. I, yeah, I no, love the sound. Yeah, and uh, and, uh, and the sound effects are are cool. The you know the 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 clanks of metal when you when you hit the 
shield and stuff. It's, yeah, I just I really like the sound package on it. Um, now best callouts. I probably maybe should have gone Black Knight because it's Steve Ritchie doing the Black Knight again, and it sounds really cool when he says stuff. But actually, I I ended up going with the Munsters on this one. I just thought that I don't know the show super well, but from what I, I did watch some clips on YouTube to familiarize myself, I thought the Raven call out was really cool. I was surprised to learn John Borg was actually the one doing that call out. And I think the call outs that they integrated otherwise from the clips in that one actually fit the theme really, really well. And I can see it, it. So in a way, it was almost like it took more chances than Black Knight, which was, oh, well, we'll just have Steve Ritchie do it again, which is the only answer. But it was also right. the obvious answer. So to me, they were very, very close. But I decided to give some Munsters love here. So I voted Munsters. So just as as a question. So you voted Munsters. Uh, but would you? where would you have put, like, Elvira? Because with the new, no, with, see, with, with the, with the call, with the call outs and the new yeah, scenes that, and, that's and the all thing, the they're, other. They're all really close together. Here's actually, and where, you know, I tried on light show to set aside the bias of condition, uh, you know, of my location experience. Mm-hmm. The bias crept through here. I could hear the monsters call outs better. I can barely hear the Black Knight callouts at 403. Oh. And I can barely, barely hear Elvira's callouts. So my order would be Munsters of Black Knight Elvira, because I just can't hear Elvira half the time. If anyone's playing another game in there, so I can't hear her explaining anything. Yeah. So it's sad, but volume matters. And I can always hear the Raven. That, so I can appreciate val- the call That's out. a valid point. Right. I went Black Knight. I've played I Black, Black Knight at enough places yeah. other than there yeah. that I've heard the... I mean, but I mean, like you said, it, it's Steve Ritchie being the Black Knight taunting sure. you. It's awesome. It's it's a right answer. Yeah, I can't, I can't dispute that. Uh, best rules. I went with Jurassic Park. I think that's I think, a given. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I mean, people can make arguments. I just disagree. With, I, I mean, I will that, disagree with almost all of their. Yeah, arguments. I just it's. I mean, a lot of games have had good good rules this year. I know monsters won't be win. Oh, we'll go through what we think will win in a moment. Yeah. Actually, Cause we'll be able to hear through that. But yeah, I agree with you. It was for me, this was not a debate. It yes. Was, oh, no. best rules. Easy. Jurassic park. That was the first thing one that came to mind. As soon as I saw, yep. as soon as I saw best rules, it was Jurassic park was the given to me for this year. Um, best playfield gameplay and layout. I went Jurassic park. Yep. It's different and it feels good to shoot. So yep. It's easy for me. There this- were, there was, there were some others that I could have seen. For me, this was the Jurassic Park took the number one slot, but this one was closer than I thought it would be when I actually started. There have been a lot of good it. layouts this year. I like Wonka's layout. Yep. I like the pro version of Black Knight's layout. I ended up really enjoying Elvira's layout. Yep. So those are all strong. And actually, Munster's layout's pretty good too. I think it, I went. It feels good. To if show. I was if I was to list my top four, it would be um, Jurassic Park, Wonka, Black Knight. Pro, hmm. I would probably and, your and fourth then, would and, be and then and then my fourth would be Elvira. Okay, my my order would probably be Jurassic Park for just layout. Jurassic Park, Elvira, Wonka, Black Knight Pro. Yeah, probably be how my, my 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 biggest problem is I I'm still having a hard time separating the complete lack of rules on Elvira mm. from just the layout. right right. The layout's fun to shoot. I enjoy shooting it. It's a lot of fun, but it feels. It's still not there yet. I think it has the possibility to be a heck of a game, though. Um, best artwork. 
I ended up going with uh, the Munsters. I really like the black and white art package. I, I do think, like that's, their, I that's think, the best art package. I think on the Munsters. sales for Munsters, which started very strong, was driven almost entirely by the art package that Christopher Franchi developed. I agree, and, and I think so. For me, I thought it was the best art package I saw this year. I went with the Star Wars comic edition uh? because I really liked the reach. And the change, because everything we've ever seen Star Wars related has been so the same. The comic edition was so different, and I really appreciated that. It's convinced some people to go and buy it, whereas they just couldn't stand the old art. Yeah. No, the I, I, I was not a fan of the Star Wars art, but the comic edition art I like. And then uh, Game of the Year, for me, this was easy. It was Jurassic Park. And also surprising when you look and I'm like, my plurality of choices were Black Knight. But me too. I, for me, it wasn't even close. Me too. I, I, the, the Most of my choices were Black Knight. But I think at the end, between the theme integration and the rules and the gameplay, Jurassic Park is just so much superior. Because to me, those are some of the most important things. And the, and they're superior to Black Knight and every, it, 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 for all of those. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's why Jurassic Park takes yeah. it. Yeah. So, I'd say let's go ahead and run through these and just in terms of our predictions of what will win. Okay. So, theme on theme only, what do you think wins? This is the one you picked Jurassic Park. I picked Star Wars Home Edition. I think uh, Jurassic Park will win this. I think so. Uh, it's going to, to me, it's going to depend upon the nostalgia showing for Wonka. That's a good point. I, I actually think Jurassic Park will win and Wonka will be number two. I think that's, that's where the most I, that's where I think it will fall. I think that's the most likely. Uh, animations and display. I think this is actually going to be won by Jurassic Park. Probably. I think. Yeah. No. I think that's the most likely. I mean, it's got a really good animation package. It as does. Well. Uh, Wonka again. I think will take second. I don't know. Historically, JJP games have kind of cleaned up on animations, but. I don't, I don't know. I, it I, just I, feels I, like uh, clip oatmeal, right? I think, I think Wonka and Black Knight are not Wonka and Black, but uh, Jurassic Park and Black Knight are both superior to Wonka this year. Yeah, I think this is a, but just, just because of the way the clips are integrated, I think it doesn't feel as special. Yeah, and I don't think it feels like it flows as well. Um, you know, the 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 clips feel more out there on their own. Best light show. I think Wonka does win. I this. do too. Okay. Uh, best toys and gimmicks. I do think Black Knight wins it. I think so, but I bet you Wonka will be a close to if not if it doesn't take over. You don't think the uh the T Rex on the premium will drive Jurassic Park up? I think it should, but I still hear too many people talk about stuff that they really like in Wonka. Mm. That it, it still seems to have a yeah. a, a, a big a good fan following. For, you know, with the elevator and that gobstopper and all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think it should be Jurassic. I think it should be Black Knight with Jurassic Park as a second, but I would not be surprised for Wonka to be a tight second. Okay. Uh, best theme integration. This is a hard one for me to call. Uh, yeah, I think my hard problem, my problem here is I'm trying to think in other people's, right, the way other people right. think. And I know there's a lot of people. Who really like Wonka? I just think its theme integration and everything is terrible. Mm. I think but, it's okay. I I I don't I don't think it, they did a, a terrible job with it, but I think you see where the license really was really held it back. I would say that I mean, 
if more people played it, Elvira might have a good shot here. Oh, I think that but, would be a good one. But, but but given it's not a cornerstone and there are no pros, I really don't think Elvira wins anything. I don't think so. And so given that, I think Jurassic Park does actually end up getting theme integration. I think enough people go, oh, okay. It's a question of how many people are upset that there's nothing from the movie, in which case most of those people will probably turn to Wonka. Right. But you've got this whole world, the Jurassic Park Island experience is there. Yeah. And you've got the theme kicking in. You got in the T Rex and you got so, all the, yeah. So, yeah, I, it's a tough call. Um, music and sound effects. I think. I honestly do not know. I can't call it. No, I, well, I have, I have to guess. I'm going to guess Jurassic Park gets it because of the theme music. Yeah. It, see, cause I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. I Wonka, want, Wonka stuck in a lot of songs. So they did. That. And I, I, Anthrax uh, is polarizing on Black Knight. I know a number of people who actually thought they couldn't stand to play the game because they didn't like how in your face the music always was. It's just never ending heavy metal, which they need a new hobby. But right, I was I was like, and how how much do they like Iron Maiden? Well, uh, they might not have liked it either. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, valid that's point. last year's. That's I mean, has been news. I said I I, I have. A, I have a hard time with this. I like yeah. I said, I voted for Black Knight because I think Black Knight's the best. But I think, yeah, I don't think, I think Black you have Knight a valid. I don't think so. I I think you have a valid argument for Jurassic Park, and I think there is a solid argument to be made for Wonka, even if I disagree with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, best callouts. I do think Black Knight wins this. I think so. Uh, I'd say, I I don't know. I actually I was talking with Zach. I don't think this was on episode. He. Maybe it was. He he pushed back when I, I didn't think Wonka had a good shot because he's like, well, they have a lot of movie audio integrated as call outs. And I was like, yeah, but I think the problem with with Wonka is everyone will remember fake old guy narrator and how bad it sounds. And Jurassic Park's got the same problem with wannabe Samuel L. Jackson. It doesn't sound like Samuel L. Jackson. Right. And it just doesn't or the hunter guy doesn't sound like the hunter guy. And it's like those call outs suffer so for that reason i think steve ritchie gets it i think so um best roles i do think jurassic i think so in fact i don't think it's going to be close no Uh, if it is i will be kind of shocked yeah i would be too i i do think wonka comes in number two with best roles but i think you're going to see over a 10 percent gap probably those two scores uh best play field gameplay and layout i think jurassic park cleans up this category too I, i think it's a given um best artwork I actually think my pick, I actually think Monsters will win this. I think that's like the one unifying thing that everyone likes about this game is there's at least one art package that you can't complain about. I think my vote most definitely will not win this. I think it'll be probably in the bottom of the art package choices because I knew it. I knew that when I picked it. I actually don't think it will be at the, I don't think it'll be the bottom. Um, I, the problem is not very many people have seen the comic edition in person, so they'll right. not feel compelled to vote for it. Elvira's throwback art. Some people might vote for it because they like it. Most people will probably say it looks dated. Uh, Johnny Crap's art package for Jurassic Park was controversial. That's I think nice it looks pretty it. decent. It's okay. Black Knight's art's actually really good. Um, it, it is. I re- every every one of the Black Knight art packages is solid. And Wonka doesn't win this. Oh, it's terrible. It's it, it's the Wonka art package was a complete failure. Yeah. So uh, I yeah. think you. I think you've got a valid. I think Monsters. Probably I just, does. I think it will. I mean, because even if you didn't like the black and white package, they ended up putting out the color premium version. In fact, the original premium art package is what the pro art package is. Because Franchi liked his color scheme on that so much when they told them 
that they want. Stern insisted on the black and white package. I like the black so, and white package. I do too. A lot. I do. I, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the game, really but well. I love the black yeah. and white package. And, but anyway, so the one with the color scheme that he really liked, Franchi went in and moved over as the pro art. Right. Because he didn't think there would ever be a premium with color. So yeah, I just, I think, it, I think that actually wins. Um, and then game of the year will easily be Jurassic Park. Should be. Yeah. So let's go to the favorites. We start working down our list here. So, uh, so we're not in bests anymore. We're in favorites. First category is favorite pinball Twitch streamer. The choices are, and the way they did this is there was already a write-in period, right? And if there were, they tried to take the top ten choices. If there were ties, it got longer. And I'm assuming if there were less than ten write-ins, it was shorter. That's my understanding. So for Twitch streamer, the choices are IE pinball, JDL pinball, Papa TV pinball. Melbourne Silver Ball, Dead Flip, Buffalo Pinball, Pinball Undesirables, Laser Loss, Chuck Wirt, and Flipping Out Pinball. Okay. So, I went with Flipping Out Pinball this year simply because I put more hours in watching that stream than any other. So, it was... That's it was just hard math. That's what I did. Dead Flip was my number two. I went with Dead Flip because Dead Flip was the one that I've spent the most time watching yep. this year, and by I, like an enormous percentage. Sure. So, so it wasn't even close. Yeah. And uh, my, I'll go ahead and do the predictions while we go down these. Uh, yeah. Dead Flip easily wins this one. I think so. He's got the largest audience. This will be the third time for him to win it. Yeah. So. All right. So the next category is favorite pinball podcast. The choices are head to head pinball. Pinball Profile, Canada's Pinball, Loser Kid Pinball, Bro, Do You Even Talk Pinball, This Week in Pinball, Special When Lit Pinball, Poor Man's Pinball, Backbox Pinball, The Super Awesome Pinball Show, and uh, Slam Tilt. Okay. So I went ahead and went with This Week in Pinball Podcast because I'm on it every other week. I went with This Week in Pinball and Podcast because it's the who only- doesn't like me? <laughs> it's the only pinball podcast I listen to. That's not, you know, since we're yeah, not we, on the list. We, we didn't make the list. No so. Mixed Gaming made the list. There are actually a few other notable pinball-only podcasts that did not make this list. That's so, yeah, so I went with them because they're the ones, they're they're the only one that I okay. listen to. And um, Canada wins this again. Probably. Prediction. So It'll won, be his third. So. Yeah. It's generally safe. They've won two in a row to guess that the, they'll the win third, the third, yeah. as people are seeing now. So, favorite pinball YouTube channel. Now, here we've got... TNT Amusements, mm-hmm. uh, Chaz's Arcade Gameplay and Restorations, Carrie Hardy, Straight Down the Middle of Pinball Show, Stern Pinball, Pinball Mayhem, Papa Pinball, Emoto Arcade, and Flippin' Out Pinball. My choice here, again, based off of, I believe, my number of hours or time spent, I should say, uh, watched is I went with Emoto Arcade because I think I watched her stuff more than anyone else this year through the YouTube it's hard to say because a lot of times that's embedded in it. I right. don't pay as much. I don't watch much YouTube pinball, quite frankly. I left it blank because there's, I think there were like three of those that I might have watched part of one episode of, and that was it. Okay. And my prediction is another three peat straight down the middle gets it again. Makes that's sense. My, that's my prediction. So for the winners, uh, they just didn't put out enough content for me this year. I told Zach too. I told him he had, I didn't vote for it. I was <laughs> like, you guys, you got to put out more than like an episode every two months for me to consider you. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, all right. So next is favorite pinball mod of 2019. <laughs> we have the deluxe light kit by speaker light by speaker light kits, 
There's Penn Stadium's Extreme. There's Pinwoofer. There's the Amber Jurassic Park Shooter Rod that Stern made. There's the Chest Mod for Jersey Jack's Pirates that's made by the Pinball Mod Company. There's the Barbasol Can that's made by Flash. Uh, there's the Raptor Pit that Measle Mod's made. And then there's Penn Stadium's Hover. I left them blank. I considered, but decided not to vote for the Amber Shooter Rod because... I loved the idea. Yeah. I've never actually seen it. Okay. Yeah, it's really powerful. I actually went and looked at some of these online. <laughs> and so I did go ahead. I voted ahead, I went ahead and voted for the chest mod. Mostly because it actually restored something that a lot of people were like, why did this get stripped out of the final version? The opening and closing chest. So someone that I hear it's a hard mod to install. Yeah, I bet. But it brings back something that people felt like they were promised. And so for that reason, I'm like, total hat tip to you. I don't have a prediction on who wins favorite mod. One of the Penn Stadium. It'll be a Penn Stadium. One of the two That's Penn my prediction. Unless uh, Penn Stadium, because there's two, break, gets its vote could, broken yeah, up. I know, but I mean, I don't. I have no uh, my assumption vote. would be it'll be Penn yeah. Stadium. So the next category for consideration is favorite homebrew pinball machine. And we've we don't have 10 here. So we've got Metroid done by Arcade. Or maybe it's whatever. It's hard to roll the R's when you lead with an A. I don't think you're supposed to. Spaceballs the Pin by Wolf Marsh. Dead Flip by Dead Flip. It's not named yet. Undertale by by Kelly Corcoran. And Castlevania by Justin Kalinowski. I think, let me go with what I answered first. I went with Dead Flip. It's the only one I have any real experience with. Several of the other themes I liked, but Dead Flip's the one that I've actually watched and seen a bunch of stuff on. Yeah, I, I did vote for Dead Flip as well. I actually really like what he's done with the layout. Yeah, I uh, do so too. I picked up for layout reasons. I did for a time follow Wolf, Wolf Marsh's thread on his homebrew. Mm-hmm. And I think there's one other of these that I have a loose, I think Metroid I have a loose familiarity with. But yeah, I just, I've seen more of Dead, of Dead Flip. Yeah. So, and there's some interesting stuff. Yeah, I like what he's doing with it. So, so yeah, I picked, and I, I think he wins this category. I think so too. But I'm going to throw a caveat up there. This category shouldn't exist. Okay. I don't like this category. Do you not like the, I don't think there is enough outreach for homebrews and not enough people get to see them or interact with them to make it worthwhile. As one of the choices. I, I sort of, I, I think that the, I think this category deserves to exist, but it requires a lot more revision to how it's defined. I, with, sense. with, with the right revision, I would be okay with it. Because I, I do think it makes sense to celebrate homebrew. I think that we need a few, a few caveats in place. Uh, one is I don't like how they, they've defined like public viewing. Too broadly. And that's why you've got examples like Dead Flip, which, again, I picked. And again, I find the layout interesting. It doesn't even have an art scheme on it, though. Yeah. And it's like, but then again, it's also TNA didn't have an art scheme on it. it, And it didn't need it. So I get that. But I think I would like to see it better defined as the game has to make a public in-person appearance at a show. But at the same time, compared to 99% of homebrews, Dead Flip has the best overall view because more people have seen it. I would be amazed if more people hadn't seen Dead Flips right. than any. I would be amazed if more people hadn't seen Dead Flips than all of the others put together. No, and that's and that's why I think it's a safe bet that it wins. He has a he has the largest viewer audience 
in pinball because his audience is so beyond pinball because he's grown. His brand is beyond pinball. Yes. He, he is his own brand. It's yeah. Just, it's, and he just, he, he, he focuses it on pinball and his dead flip, the dead flip, <laughs> if we want to call it that was about showing people, walking them through an experience of if they wanted to homebrew and doing it, you know, like you're going along the journey with Jack. So you have right. all these people that were seen and no one else documented to that degree as he did. So those things, but that said, we've been walking through his documentation process. It's not done. I'd like the game to be done. Now that I could, I, and, I can agree with. And I think the issue is, and I don't know if we do it with a, with a public unveiling at a show or what, but at some point you have to be able to leave it, I guess, leave it up to the homebrewer maybe and say they have to declare that their project is finished. And th- that doesn't count like iterative revisions. People, right. people want to fix bugs and stuff. That's fine. One of the things is I think every single one of these, home, I don't know this to be true. So I apologize. Feel free to write in a correction if I'm wrong. I don't think any of these are coded, ready to play. Like they have, they have software that allow them to flip. They don't have rules. They're not real games yet. I can see that. So you could say, well, should there be a condition that they actually have to have coding? I don't know because if someone homebrewed an EM, it'd be done when it's wired. Right. So because the scoring is that simplified, but these aren't at that point where i don't think they're even really giving points does that make sense so so yeah no uh, i think i i think the category needs to be dramatically reworked i also think that it's a little weird to recognize from scratch homebrew and not have a category of recognizing retheme homebrews agreed because they are going through with the art and stuff yeah and if these aren't then i think we need to consider a record i think they need to be but separate they, and they shouldn't be merged no they need to be, be separate entities yes because i think they're very different things all right, our next category is, and I actually say favorite, just as Rookie of the Year. Now, this was a really broad mix. And so the ballot actually says for what reason they qualified. Okay. So let me run through the list real quick. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. We'll, don't worry, Tony. We'll talk about this. Poor Man's Pinball Podcast for podcasting. Brad Albright for the art package he did on the Led Zeppelin homebrew, which you might recall, Led Zeppelin homebrew wasn't in the homebrew list because that's one of those re-theme homebrews. Uh, Tim Sexton for being a lead coder, which was Black Knight Sword of Rage. Jack Danger for his first year as a homebrew designer. Uh, Joel DeGuzman for logo art. He was a new pinball artist. He did the new logo for American Pinball. Uh, Johnny Crap for his first time doing a pinball art package, which was Jurassic Park. Randy Martinez for Art Package, because he did Star Wars Comic Edition. Chris Fanchi for Podcasting, because he's now a podcast host for the Super Awesome Pinball Show. Loser Kid Pinball Podcast for Podcasting, because they're a new podcast. Lauren Gray for Podcasting. She does the Backbox Pinball Podcast. And then Zach and Nicole Minnie for being new distributors. They took over Flipping Out Pinball at the start of 2019. So, in terms of what I chose, I chose who I wrote in which was Tim Sexton as lead coder for for Sword of Rage. I put Tim Sexton also okay. as lead coder that for said, Sword of Rage. That said, I want this category removed. It's got to go. This is the, without a doubt, in my mind, the worst category there is. Mm-hmm. There, I mean, it's not even close. It's, I get... And the thing to always remember with the Twippies is the Twippies exist to celebrate pinball. All that said, 
this is really broad, which means it's really vague. You have people that have no right to be in competition with each other listed on an award. Like, yeah, there's just there. There's no rules here. It's chaos. It's total anarchy. The do- dogs and cats are living together in mass hysteria. It's like I put on myself a condition that I will be if there's a rookie category, I'm voting for industry people. Which means I'm not voting for podcasters. Yeah. I'm not voting for homebrewers. I'm not voting for distributors. I'm going to be voting for industry people, of which there were like three choices, two thirds of which were artists. So right, and and honestly, in my personal opinion, as great of a job as Tim Sexton did, he didn't deserve to be on this list because he's worked because he's not for years. I mean, at this point, this this is literally, if you did this. The way this counts, then obviously you should have given Joe Montana Rookie of the Year for winning Super Bowl sixteen, even though that was like his fourth year in the league because it was his first year, first time he was at a Super Bowl. Mm. What about um, a rookie quarterback for the Chiefs when he switched in his twilight years to being a Chief instead of a Forty Nine er? Exactly. Obviously, that 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 that, that right. requalifies right. him it's to a, be a rookie. It's it's just like okay, so we go. You look at this, and it's like because that's the issue is like the the rookiness of the rookies. All right, so poor man's was new. Okay, I like I don't mm-hmm. I don't know anything else they did in pinball, so that's new. Brad Albright, new. Uh, Joel uh, De Guzman, new. Johnny Crap, new. Randy, new. Um, loser kid, new. Lauren knew. Zach, at least, has been in pinball for years. So that he's a distributor. He, I mean, he's in all of these other categories, some of which he's done for a while. So he's not new to pinball. Right. So that is a little awkward. Chris Franchi has been in pinball for years as an artist. He also used to be a podcaster. It just wasn't in pinball. He right. had a show for years. Yeah. So that's not really new. Um, Tim... Uh, in addition to being a competitive player for years, has been a coder on prior Stern games, so that's not new. Jack, definitely new as a homebrew designer, but as a pinball person, has been in it for years. Not new, not a rookie. Uh, you see where? Yeah, no, I get it. I but, fully and the so they so that's why they specify these categories, but these categories don't have anything to do with each other. Yeah, no. it's like how what? It's what sort of measurement like rookie in what way? Their contributions to the hobby. Like, how am I supposed to measure the contributions of Loser Kid Pinball Podcast versus what Randy Martinez did in an art package? They're not like you the can't art even package. Them. No, because one is talking about pinball through an audio medium, and one is a guy who did something for a very specific game that's never touched my life. So uh, you see, and they're not the audiences aren't the same in a way. It's like giving it's like giving awards to non pinball stuff yeah. that. In pin, you know, because you've carved it I up I would too like much. to see, I know there is a panel that helped get rid of the trolley stuff. Yeah, the committee, or the I committee, often call it the panel. The panel, the whatever. Yeah. I would like to see their rules on this. I'd like to see their rules on everything. I'd like to see a sure. full listing of the rules that the panel uh, decided to abide by when they chose everything. Personally. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, it would be good for TWIP to... on have a link on their page to a summary of you know meeting minutes or what you know, right you know transparency sort of section that yeah. people can refer to and obviously some of this stuff will be contained until after votes and such and that uh, totally understandable but yeah those are good steps that could be taken too. right 
because solve some of the questions. Because I'd like to, I mean, based upon the way this category is running right now, I could sit down and in this year, 2020, I could start, I could sit down and design my homebrewed with me doing the art package, uh, uh, Babylon 5 pinball machine. And I, and I could do the music myself and I'll stream it all. Uh, which means should qualify me for rookie streamer, rookie, uh, designer, rookie artist and rookie music guy. Minimum. Mm. Seems fair to me. Uh, under these exist. Yes, it would be. And I do think that in this ballot, they did a good job by listing the category. So you clearly knew no, no, why they was- were a rookie. So I think they've defined it. I think I think the way they managed the category was as good as they could do with the way this category is. This category just should go away. Yeah. Though. Solve all these problems. Somebody should have just stood up and said, just no, just no, just no. This you, is just the worst let me, category. Let me put it. Yeah. Let me put it. Uh, you know, even I guess for me more bluntly, you do not need rookie of the year to celebrate pinball. No, it makes yeah. no sense. I just, it's just. There are several categories that we're getting to that I think are really dumb. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that because that's this what we do This is here. by far the worst. It's this one. I think you should just shed it, and only new people are up for it, so you're not really going to upset anyone. So get rid of right. it after this go. Yeah. Give give the award. I think I think it would be better overall if they did it, or if they're not going, if they want to keep a rookie of the year, they need to put some seriously harsh rules on it because half the people in here I don't think qualify. Who do you think wins this? I have no clue. I have no idea. My guess would be Dead Flip. Yeah, Jack Danger. Yeah, I, I think he will too. Again, because he's got an audience for his non-rookie stuff. Right. That And they know to vote for him. He's promoted that the Twippies right. are out there. So just based off of math, I think he'll get it. I, th- I think that's the obvious yeah, one. I think so. But again, like we said, I don't right. think he should be qualified. Just like Tim shouldn't be qualified and Zach shouldn't be qualified. Yeah, none of these. No, I mean, there are a few of these that I think are very clearly rookies in doing anything in the hobby. So I could see that if that was the definition, but it's not the definition. I just don't like this category. I just don't. I think the idea there is it's all from a good place. It's like, think about, well, like, for example, if Dead Flip's always going to win favorite streamer, a new stream. Which needs to be favorite streamer, not favorite Twitch streamer. Yes, yes. And I, Jack's even commented on that. That Why does this say Twitch? What about, yeah. there's another group that streams almost exclusively on Facebook. Papa TV at this point mostly streams on YouTube. Um, it's right. Like, and there's, there's yeah, other right. streaming platforms. Yeah, because, I mean, we could launch the EGP stream on Mixer and clean up if there was a separate category for every flavor. <laughs> I, get, I get that exclusive deal with Microsoft, don't you? Where I'm, I'm the new ninja. Yeah. Call me Nanja. Nanja. So, so, so the, uh, yeah, I, I just, I would just get rid of this. It's, I get the idea, but if you're not going to do rookies by category, it's just way too, it's way too broad to be meaningful. So it ends up, I mean, favorites are popularity contests in and of themselves, but this hodgepodge, mm-hmm. it's just too ill, it's too ill defined because it's not defined. That's right. where, that's my problem with it. It's, it comes from a good place, but it's just not. I just not. Uh, next category would be favorite competitive pinball player. Delete it. 
I don't like this category either. I'll run through. We'll do the pick stuff first here. So the list of names were Johannes Ostermeyer, Robert Gagnow, Keith Elwin, Escher Lefkoff, Alexander Kazmarchek, Holly Kashkirin, Bowen Karens, Eric Stone, Steve Bowden, and Jack Danger. So my vote, which I don't remember, so I have to look. You sorry, voted, sorry, you favorite. voted for Bowen. I voted for Bowen, and not because of his competitiveness, but because he puts out good tutorials on how to play competitively. That's why I picked him. I, I voted for uh, Bowden because he's the one that I've probably talked to the most. Hmm. It was it was him or Jack hmm. because those are the two I've talked to the most. Again, because of his Twitch audience, I'm going to guess that Jack would, would win assume. this category. Uh, it's a dumb category. It's I again I get where it comes from. And I think this was one Zach insisted on. Who you know Zach? Yeah, and Zach, Zach doesn't play competitively. It wasn't to advance yeah. anything he does, but but yeah, the idea of recognizing competitive players. The thing is, is that and I see people. Again, another term that people misuse, but people will say, well, yeah, Keith Elwin's a professional pinball player. No, he isn't. He's a professional designer. Pinball comp- competition is a hobby for him. Mm-hmm. There are no pro pinball players. Get used to it. There's not enough money in the circuit to keep people eating. Right. It's just because you don't, w- you have to win first to get big money. And even Elwin isn't consistent enough to make a career of it. Right. This is how it is. And that's so, fine. And that's, that's fine. perfectly fine. So, but this is like the most popularity contest of popularity contests. Well, it's the type. thing is, again, like favorite. Why are they the favorite? Right. Like, what, what's the measurement? Again, it wasn't like out of the top 16. Anyone. I wrote me in in this. Yes. I'm my favorite because I feel best when I win. That was my logic. <laughs> that was my logic. Can't, is my, my logic is undeniable, is it not? I mean, that, you don't. You may not. You probably didn't write me in. I did not. You sure? I'm positive. I, I could use. I could use another trophy. I did. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So I guarantee you, you're not who I wrote in. Okay. I didn't write myself in either. Oh, so if that makes you feel like better, it just makes me feel selfish. But, that, <laughs> but that's okay. But that's okay. So, but it's just like okay. It's like I like Steve Bowden for my interactions with him. I like Jack Danger for my interactions with yep. him. I like Bowen for what he contributes. Uh, for watching skilled play, I Elwin's the one I've gone back and watched the most video on. So I like Elwin for watching just sheer control and, and, and you know amazing Pinberg finishes and stuff. It's like, but these aren't sports teams. It's not like I'm getting all my Don Battingly baseball cards here and following a player, right? I, so if that's what that is, I mean, this isn't even a, I, it, if that's what that is, there should be restrictions on this, like out of the top 100 or something to be right. about following competitive players that go to a lot of, you know, big events and stuff. Which yeah. By definition to be in the top 100, you have to go to the big events. So. Right. So, well, and then, then you start getting into the other weird questions. Like you're okay. Favorite competitive pinball player. Well, seeing as there are competitive, uh, 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 there's competitive pinball play, uh, separated by sex should be there should be there be two different sections one for each gender mm. yeah i don't see and part of this is i'm going back to the twippies are about celebrating pinball uh what does being a competitive player give back to the hobby doesn't it doesn't no, it, celebrating the tournament would yes celebrating the event the player is playing for themselves yeah. I said, this, they I already, <laughs> their reward for that 
is money and trophies and whoppers. They don't need a Twippy because that isn't a celebration of pinball to me. It's just not this, this cat, this because it's specific to the player for there's no giving everyone else is not everyone else, but broadly speaking, most of this other stuff is giving back to the community in some way. The, the homebrewer is showing you something new that you've never seen before. Right. Idea. It's these games, the, you know, they're, we get to play these games, these events that we get to do. You listen to podcasts, you, you look and appreciate art. Competitive players play for themselves. Yeah. No, they should be gone. Yeah. I would get rid of it. Uh, favorite pinball website. So the choices this year were tilt forums, pinball life, Marco specialties, IPDB, match play events, stern pinball, IFPA pinball, pinball news, pinside, pinball info, and this week in pinball. I picked IPDB because I use it constantly. <laughs> I picked IPDB because I use it constantly. Yeah, it's I mean, it is the pinball website that I use the most. I probably spend more eyeball time on Pinside, catching up on threads for tracking news or, or whatnot, but it would be more painful to me if IPDB went away. Yeah. Almost, I can't remember, other than my IFPA articles, I almost always lean heavily into IPDB for some section of anything I write because I just, I need that resource. And Pinside has a database as well. It's not as good. So. Yeah. Every time I have a question about something or when we play 20 questions, or, yep. I mean, even just little things, I pull up IPDB constantly. Whenever we talk about a machine, especially an older machine, I'm there for pictures and flyers and, and everything. And it, mm. I use it all the time. I don't like this category either. I don't think so. Uh, I, it, this fits in the spirit. The problem is, like, rookie, it's just too broad. Right. So, tilt forums and pinside or discussion forums, pinball life and Marco specialties. And I'm assuming the reason Stern pinballs on here are because they're storefronts. Yeah. Maybe Stern's on there. Cause you need to download code. Uh, IFPA pinball and match play events are competitive tools. IPDB is a research tool and pinball news. And this week in pinball are news sites. They're completely different. So again, we're not, this is not apples to apples that they happen to all be web based is nice. But and again, I think in this sort of case, you need to just be more specific, like favorite pinball forum, favorite pinball news source. But and, they had that. storefronts, not, but they had, but they had, they had it more split but, up last year and it was terrible because nobody cared. That's the important right, thing. Right, right. Pen, Pinside just nope, nobody, nobody cares. Was it split up more? I thought so. I thought I, I thought they had news separate from forums last year. I thought maybe. I don't remember for sure. I thought they maybe. Did. Pinside wins this, but it doesn't matter. Pinside wins this. This category shouldn't exist because, mm-hmm. like, I mean, it is it's, not as it is. Um, it, I don't think it should exist at all. Again, at least I can see where running a valuable, like running a website that provides content to the community. I see where that can be a celebration of pinball, but you need to make rules to it. Like stores can't count. No, that's to sell stuff. That's I, not I mean, special. I mean, excuse me. This is like this would be like comparing Reddit, Amazon, Food Network, and Pornhub all together. In right, the same, right. It's in the just same too category. broad. It's too broad. All right. So 
Next, it was favorite pinball publication, writer or article. Fewer than 10 of these as well. Yeah. Shows you how little writing actually happens in this. Now, let me say, right out the gate, I really like this category. Okay. You actually like one. I actually like this category. It's, again, it's a, it's a fairly broad blend of sort of sizes. It always has been. They, they did redefine this a little bit. It used to, last year, it was written up like magazine, article, or, or other pub, like book, right? Right. And so now they've got it. So you can either celebrate a publication like a magazine, celebrate a specific work. They also listed article, or you could just do the writer outright. Right. Which, okay. I, I get what they did. I think it's better than it was defined. And I, again, I wouldn't carve it up a bunch because then you're adding a whole bunch of awards. And just, it get, a bunch a, of awards. It with, gets absurd. Right. And then you'll get to the point where you're going to have things where there's like one or two right. people. Which in is the, the risk with website if you carve it up. You start to get absurd. I think it's easier right. just to restrict things in that one's yeah. case than, than to get crazy if you, if you want to keep it. But so the choices were Pinball Magazine. They, Pinball Magazine did not have a magazine out in 2019, but the it releases like a monthly newsletter so it's listed as four newsletters that it did yeah then there's something uh called a look at seattle's exciting pinball past and uh, exciting pinball present and sketchy past written by brendan kiley i don't think i've read that uh pin game journal is a choice i am a choice i'm now spelled right in the list Ah, uh, finally yeah apparently and uh coin op carnival which was a publication that Nick Baldridge and Ryan Clater yep. did. And then uh, I, I'm familiar with this. I've not read it. Skillshot, which is a, a pinball uh, zine that uh, is out of Seattle. They actually have a podcast that kind of goes along with it, though they weren't very prolific in 2019 with a podcast. Uh, my choice here was Coin Out Carnival. Mine too. I really liked it. It's I cool. did. It was great. It's cool. And I, I've had a number of people contact me about me being in this category, which I – it's nice, but I only wrote two articles and I, I, I get it. There's not a threshold. There's not like a required density level, but well, I just didn't feel like I wrote very much. Right. Well, like last year, it was since it was article, not writer last year. Yeah. You had you to were broken one. up between all of you and you had a lot of, articles. I had, yeah, I had nine, I think by my, including the things I co-wrote. Um, and so, yeah, so this, okay. So there's that. I don't know if it's like a mea culpa that people like. But here's the thing. How many people do you think are picking me because they know know me from podcasting and not having the even read majority. my article? The vast majority. That's not the right reason to choose me. I know it's not. That's why I didn't choose you. That's right. Also, you weren't on the list when I, I noted. No, I wasn't. There was somebody who looked kind of, who, whose name was kind of like yours. Probably a nicer version. No, there's no such thing. <laughs> I'm coming for your niceness, Steve Bowden. It will be my title. Um. Okay, so and I I think coin off wins. I think so. I think they sold a lot, so I think they uh, yeah. had a really good show. I mean, th- I mean, they were at a lot of shows. I mean, Nick and Ryan split apart and did like a whole tour, right? So there's a lot, and Ryan's really promoted coin op online quite a bit. So for votes, so I th- I think they I think he's got. I a think good, they've got a very good shot. I do. I think so. Uh, favorite pinball location. So the choices here were Einstein's. I'm not gonna name the locations. Einstein's Pub, no, I'm not the cities. I mean, uh, no quarter, the Game Preserve, Pinball Gallery, Pinball Lounge, Logan Arcade, What's Brewing, Titletown Pinball, the Pinball Palace, and the Pinball Asylum. I did not pick because I have not been any of these. I picked Logan Arcade because I've been to Logan Arcade, right. and that's it. And now this is one of those things I don't think should exist. Mm. 
because of the geolocation aspect of specific uh, pinball bars in specific area. I just, I think it's a terrible category. Mm. I don't think it should be there. It's a, I think that's a good point. Uh, I'll say, I think Logan Arcade wins. They won last year. Yeah. So that's going to be why I guess that. The, this one got a lot of initial, when the Twippy ballot first came out, this was actually, this and Rookie, probably this more so, at least on Pinside, had the most drama around it because people were noticing it's not a single Seattle location. There's not, it's like pinball's Mecca doesn't have a location on it. Why? My and only guess would be that there are so many they split. Could be, or they just didn't, not enough people on the West coast wrote in. Yeah. Is the other option. So and again, it was, and that's all discussion about people who didn't notice the write in period and all, and all that. Uh, I get, again, I get the idea here. You're trying to celebrate. On on paper, I like the idea because someone running a location that has pinball does give back to the hobby. So celebrating that makes sense. The problem I have with location is in the vein that you have. This is a essentially this is a worldwide award, and this is a way too regional of a thing to really work, in my view. Yeah. So you're basically going to have places that either have a huge volume of people because the cities are large, or airport hubs like lots of people fly through chicago right. so of course logan's gonna be there. well and jack danger streams from there all the time sure so, so so it's so it's even more widely known from that yeah so i i agree i would get rid of this i don't not because of the who ended up on the list or anything but just no. the fact that it'll always be it's just too regional i think i think so it's just too regional now, I'm okay with the next one, Favorite Pinball Convention, because those are designed yes. to attract lots of people to them. Yeah, very much. So I like that. that, that that's a category. Of which the choices are Replay Effects, Texas Pinball Festival, Grand Old Game Room Expo, Midwest Gaming Classic, Southern Fly, Fried Gaming Expo, Free Play Florida, Pinfest, which is also known as Allentown, Chicago Pinball Expo, commonly known as Expo, Pintastic New England, and the Houston Arcade and Pinball Expo. I picked Texas because that's the one I go to of these. Yeah, me too. Yep. And it won last year. The safe money is that it will win again. That said, I will not be shocked if either Replay or Chicago Expo wins because those are the big three. Right. It will be one of those. It's not going to be the Midwest Gaming Classic. No. Though I hear that's a great show, but it's not going to be that. No. Uh, so, yeah, and I'm, I'm okay with this category. I, I like this category because it is a thing that's designed to be a a draw from everywhere. I mean, we've been to TPF. How many fans have we met from Australia and from Europe and from, I mean, it happens all the time. That's three. We've met three. We've met three. That's it happens from Europe and Australia. Yeah. But I mean, it, but, uh, uh, that's one of those things that it's designed to pull people in. So no, I'm perfectly fine with this one. That one can stay. Mm -hmm. Favorite pinball tournament and competition. The list of choices is Pinburg. 24-hour battle at uh, at the Sanctum. Final battle at the Sanctum, excuse me. IFPA Pinball Olympics 2019, which was held in Germany. Uh, the Texas Wizards Tournament, which is at TPF. The Space City Open. The City Champ SF. The Grand the Grand Ogre Grand Old Game Expo Nashville Tournament. Uh, Pinball Asylum Annual Point Monsters. New York City Pinball Championships. Indisc and Bat City Open. I did not... Vote for these because I don't play in any of these. 
I voted, in 2019. I didn't vote for any of them because I didn't play in any of those tournaments. I don't know how well they were. I had I didn't know anything about any of it that way, other than just word of mouth and and watching video clips and interviews and stuff. And yeah, no, they all seem cool. I'm fine with this category. I I guess not. I'm not really, but yes, it doesn't make any sense. By definition, it 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 makes sense. The only issue I have with it is it's the let's just give an award every year to Pinberg. Because right. no other tournament is just approaches its scale. Right, right. No, 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 no. I, I mean, that's that's valid. And I've had people ask Pinburg me, will always well, win it. well, but because I'm like, well, it's got the numeric advantage and it's popular, so it's going to win. And I've I've had one or two people ask me, well, yeah, but but if it wasn't popular, then even though it can support over a thousand people, it wouldn't win. It's like they wouldn't turn out to play in it if it sucked. Right. So if we're assuming. All these tournaments that make this list are good. Then the one that has three times more than the next nearest one is going to win. Like statistically, it's going to win. Especially so, consider the fact that literally the vast majority of the people who played all the other tournaments also play at yeah, Pinburg. Yeah, it's and they all. It's love just Penberg. such a degree that there are podcasts like I think Backbox uh, Pinball Podcast. When they ask what's your favorite tournament, they ask you to please not name Pinburg. We just assume that Pinburg's your actual favorite. Now, I could see them going with that. Is sure. It, it, it is what is what but, is your second favorite? But <laughs> but that's a math thing. So in that regard, as a category, this is not a badly designed. No, it's not. Category. It's so it, so it, I get it I get no, it, it is not Penberg's fault. I get it existing, but or the the panel's fault or anybody's fault that Penberg is just so big, right? Right, and so good. It's like and it's so not much. It's not Jack Danger's fault that Deadflip is the biggest string. Well, it is because he built it right but, but, but the point being is like it still can make sense to go well we, we should recognize something even if it's dominated by one right so i get it and yeah, there is nothing just, to say that there won't eventually be another that could that could compete with penberg do i think it's going to happen in the next couple of years no but it's always mm. possible something could get to that level i mean on paper I'm not saying it's realistic. Uh, well, it's just because of the sheer number of games you need and the fact that there was a whole nonprofit that happened to have a massive collection donated to it. And that's just. Right. That's uh, anyway. But yeah, it, it should exist. And I'm always kind of like, I don't care about the category because I know who the winner is. Right. Maybe that's a better way to phrase it. But yeah, it does deserve to exist. Favorite pinball league. This does not deserve to exist. No, it doesn't. Uh, the choices are Space City Pinball League, Dallas Fort Worth Pinball League. Pinball Asylum, Tilt Studio Pinball League, the Pinball League at the Pinball Lounge, Nashville Pinball League, San Francisco Pinball Department, Cincy Pinball League, Bells and Chimes, the San Antonio, Texas division, Kid Force Collectibles Pinball League, Title Town Pinball, and the New England Pinball League. The reason why I don't like, I didn't pick any of them because I don't play any of these leagues. Um, and I think the winner is either the New England Pinball League because it's by far the largest mm-hmm. in terms of players. Or it's bells and chimes because there are multiple chapters and they unify and they all vote for their one bells. Yep. Those are the two. I think you're right. Um, the problem with leagues is that they're regional. They're super regional. Yeah. Just like, just like it, the locations. Even worse than locations though. Yeah. Because at least locations can have like you were on a business trip. So you went to Logan. Right. You're not going to go on a business li- a trip and join a league. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tony. You're not. That's very true. You're just not. So I've heard about people on a trip got been allowed to play in a league tournament while the league was going, but they're not in the league. Right. It's, it's, it's just, no, I, again, it's from a good place. 
leagues do contribute to pinball. They do deserve to be celebrated. They don't deserve to be celebrated at the Twippy level because the Twippy level is, is, I want to say national, but it's worldwide. It's just, it's too big for that. Right. That's something that should be recognized on a regional level. And maybe that's something some areas could consider as doing regional awards. Sure. Which would make sense for locations. It's like how, it's how, uh, city chambers of commerce give out awards recognizing local businesses. Right. That stuff matters to people. It matters. It should matter. But you don't go and you ask the national chamber to celebrate, you know, Big O Tire. Like, why would they? Right. They're not going to do that because then it's not fair to Big O because it's going to go to some business in New York City or Dallas or something. So that's uh, Maybe we should put together our own, our, our eclectes, no, which sure. are just for Kansas City area or at most Kansas and Missouri and Nebraska area stuff. Let's talk about that in a few months. Maybe that's actually an interesting idea. The eclectes. I just like the name. I know. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Uh, last category. Favorite pinball topper of 2019. This category should also not exist. It's, the t- <laughs> it's so bad. This is a definitely a Zach category. This should just be, these are, should just be included under mod in my view. Agreed. Especially since very few of them even get sold with the pinball machine. So it is an yeah. addition. No, it should be with mod. The choices are the Beatles topper. Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle topper. And I think in all these cases, if it doesn't say a business, it means it's a manufacturer-made topper. Right. Uh, Star Wars R2-D2 topper. The Munsters topper. Is that even out? Uh, it, I think that, yes. I think they got them in stock either in late November or December. Um, Medieval Madness remake topper. The 3D hologram topper, which is third-party by, uh, by lighted pinball mods. There's Jurassic Park topper that was done by Tilt topper. And then there's the Black Knight Sword of Rage topper. I did vote. The Black Knight Sword of I Rage topper too. is awesome. So I did vote it is for so it. so awesome. So it deserves to win But it this. should be in mods. It should be in mods. Yeah. Yep. So I'd get rid of that. Uh, so, I mean, that's it on the terms of the votes. And we kind of went through everything that we thought that we'd like to see different on these various categories. So, so we're looking at overall with our with our discussion just that our our rather lengthy discussion we actually had we're looking at removing or substantially modifying six categories yeah. and i think that's fair yeah because no no one asked us but that's what well, we yeah but, but i mean i think no, so, i I, I, I think there's valid arguments sure. for either removing or substantially adjusting yes. all of those categories i um and i'd like to end on some positive notes so I do want to say I very much approved of the decision to get rid of the write-in categories on the final ballot. Yes, very much. It's made life so much easier, so thank you for that change. I thought having the write-in period in early December made a lot of sense. I know a lot of people have complained online that they didn't see it. It was listed on Twitter. It's like, what advertising do you expect Twip to do for the... I mean, Twippies are really about people who read Twip. It was listed there... I don't really have sympathy for that argument. I get that the final ballot has been better promoted by people who have made the top lists. There were plenty of people. We shared it when the write-ins were available. We threw that out there yeah. on our Facebook. And a lot of people pushed it. So, like, I know Jack Danger did. So, there's really... It's not that you don't have an excuse. It's just your excuse isn't really good. If you're actually reading This Week in Pinball, you'll, you'd know about all this stuff. Right. So maybe read it. You know, it's like, it's like, <laughs> maybe read it's it. not like it's hammering you with a whole ton. Of, it's like a five minute read. So come on, get with the program, folks. So I like that change. Um, yeah, they made a number of modifications over time. Yeah. Uh, and it's so. going to keep getting better. I, 
I like the Twippies. I do too. Overall, I like the Twippies. Mm -hmm. Just like last year, there were categories I didn't like. They fixed some of them. They adjusted things. There's there's still some categories that just shouldn't exist. Yeah. But that's okay. Yeah. Overall, I still think it's a great addition it to is, the hobby. It is. And definitely versus what sort of uh, haphazard ones but coming before it, there's no reason why the Twippies should not remain the People's Choice Award of Tindall. I think they should. And so if other people are thinking about other, like, wanting different award things, I'm all for it. But I'd say consider a different model entirely because it would be very difficult to improve upon People's Choice Approach. Versus, right. I mean, we're giving suggestions to the this stuff, but things like the committee and the structure that they've got behind it, they're all it's a really good idea there. Yeah. No, overall I think other other than maybe like some regional specific stuff or somebody going like like an industry, that'd be an interesting discussion. Well what what would be the industry to do an industry one? Yeah. So yeah. so let's go to video games, Tony, because we have a long talk. This one's going to be, well, actually, this one has the possibility to be it long, does. too. We'll just have to see. It might so, be a little long episode. Oh, well. Yeah. All right. Uh, the first thing in video games is just a quick little uh, uh, note. They had a, Nintendo had a Direct. Uh, it was a Pokemon-specific Direct, which caused an enormous amount of backlash online, uh, specifically from the Smash fandom. I remember reading that early in, early last week now. That a lot of people are like, oh, there's going to be another Nintendo Direct. Another, and there people are getting well, you know, yeah, they were getting real up. worked up. Yep. Well, because you know there 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 are characters that haven't been announced for Smash yet. Somewhere, I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> they wanted a new. They wanted a new character announcement. <laughs> I, I get it. Like but... Poseidon or 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 uh, uh, the captain of the Titanic. They haven't been announced for Smash yet, but mm-hmm. they're they're going to be in it. We all know they will. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, it was a direct that was Pokemon specific. Uh, the two big bits of news coming out of it was uh, Nintendo is continuing their trend of converting games from old systems to the Switch and updating them. Uh, they're bringing out the two Pokemon Mystery Dungeons, uh, Red Team and Blue Team, to Switch, uh, which are originally from like Game Boy Advance and the original DS. So those are being updated and brought to the Switch, just like they recently brought you know, a link to the past from. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. They're they're going full on into updating all of their old stuff to Switch, Capcom style. Yeah, and the big announcement and one that did not really surprise me was they announced expansions for their new Pokemon title, Sword and Shield. Mm. What does surprise me is they announced two expansions. Ah, and for thirty dollars you get them both. Okay, so it's. Not as I figured it'd be thirty dollars for a single expansion, or right, that, right. That, that's pretty typical twenty to thirty. And but I, I actually wasn't too bad at thirty dollars for both of them. Um, you get them, but you can you can pay for it now, and you get them when they release. One's due in like June, and the other in like October. Uh, they're adding a whole lot of Pokemon, new ones and old ones, and some of them are getting sniper rifles and and all sorts of changes. So that's. Exciting for the Pokemon peoples. Yes. Uh, and that's about all I had there. Because it was only Pokemon Direct. Because it was only Pokemon Direct. The other big thing we had to talk about, what just finished late last night or very early this morning, awesome games done quick. Yeah. And I guess I, I should note, and I'll, 
this would be this would be a good lead in on this uh, though as a I did not actually stream pinball this last week. Normally I, I take a, a weekday night usually. Right. And I stream for an hour or two. Uh and I didn't do it that week and because AGDQ was on, I did share that out on our Facebook because AGDQ is this massive donation drive. They their games done quick or GDQ. They do two big ones every year. Right. Where it's a it's a week long 24 hour a day Streaming effort to raise money. Awesome games, games done quick is the one they do in January, yep. which benefits the Prevent Cancer Society. And then in the summer, they do SGDQ or Summer Day Games Done Quick, which benefits Doctors Without Borders. Those are the two main, and they do other like little, little ones little, online like, yeah. all throughout the year. But, but those are the, you know, they're big things to watch. And I, just as a case in point, because a lot of people are really interested in doing good things with your hobby. Right. And we saw a big one a couple of weeks ago with the 24 hour charity stream that Special and Lit did. They on Twitch, similar, actually, I think more similar than they may realize, kind of like, uh, GDQ does. They did 24, it was only one day, but they did a full 24 hour pinball stream, brought in a bunch of different players, guests, you know, in interviews, all that. And, that effort was the biggest that I am aware of for fundraising for pinball, which raised over $50,000. Now, a lot of that was due to there was a person who matched dollar for dollar. So 25000 of that came from one individual who was very generously doing a match. Yeah. Now, when we talk about the size and scale of video games, where obviously you have a lot of people with a lot less money than pinball people, pinball collectors tend to have, <laughs> but you have a lot more volume. How did AGDQ do this year, Tony? This year's AGDQ was their biggest AGDQ. They beat last year's. And AGDQ is usually bigger than SGDQ. It is. We should know. And I'll, because a lot of people are on vacation in the summer. Right. So less people. Everyone's inside because it's snowing in the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's like all everyone on the north, or north of the equator is just bundled up watching AGDQ. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, that's what I did. A, a few years ago. I, I'd never watched it until a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and now I watch it like it and and, and SGDQ. Yeah, I've got it. like a, I've got like a half dozen GDQ charity shirts yeah. that I buy to support. I didn't buy any this time, but yeah, but because I made donations this time. Yeah, I, I I made a couple donations this mm-hmm. time. Uh, but this year they raised a grand total of three point one million dollars. Yep. So three million one hundred thirty-two thousand nine hundred twelve dollars and seventy-eight cents was the grand total on their on their donation tracker this morning. Okay. There. This was the tenth year of Awesome Games Done Quick, and according to their and last night during uh, one of the runs towards the end, they crossed the twenty-five million dollars raised since it started. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and it's just been. The records that they break, they're not old records. The The volume of money has grown yeah. precipitously in these more recent years with this. It's to the point where you know SGDQ and AGDQ are going to pass $2 million. That's, yeah, yeah. It's just, they will. It's a, are they going to hit three? How far can they go past three? That's really where it's at. And it's interesting because it really, really, it's like, it gains speed as the event draws closer to the end. Mm-hmm. It's like we were three or four days in when it hit a million. Right. And that's typical. 
That's pretty normal. And they do a whole bunch. I mean, it's really clever. They do all these stretch goals where it's things like, oh, do you want to see someone do this three minute run of something as a bonus play of a game to show you how you can break through and, and get to the end? Yeah, and, and glitch everything. And it's like, no problem. $50,000 mi- must be met. Yeah. And you have to, when you donate, you have to say this money, my $20 is for that one run. You have to dedicate it to that and yep. they do it. In fact, my and joke they do is stuff like they, that throughout. Uh, yeah. 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 And so, and it works. And so they just, it's, it's I mean, they even do that for like naming characters. Name a character. Yeah. Name, naming character. That's what one of our, my, our votes for me and me and my, my oldest daughter, she wanted because she wanted a guarantee on the Pokemon Sapphire run that Kyorga was named, uh, Magikarp. So we donated money to the Magikarp because we want to be sure that Magikarp was the Kyorga. Did it win? Name. Yes. Okay. It, it was, that was one of those where, uh, when the game started, it was over $3,000 behind. Mm. And by the time they got to the cutoff for it, when they actually picked it up, it had pulled ahead oh. by like eight or 900. Yeah. But yeah, it, but I mean, and you're talking about it, it is not unusual to see, oh, $1,000 donations, $5,000 donations, companies. A lot of times you'll see a company go in and drop, you know, a 10 or a $50,000 donation when someone's speed running their game. It happens. Yep. I, I mean, Untitled Goose Game had that happen. They Untitled came Goose in and game, dropped in 10,000. Subnautica had that happen. Um, a Hat in Time had that happen right at the beginning. And, uh, it's, it is my favorite video game thing. Well, it's just so different because it's right. not like going on Twitch. And almost all these people have Twitch channels, so they have right. following. It's like again, for my our pinball brethren, comparing it to what Special One Lit did when they brought in people from the industry. They brought in people who had YouTube channels and other podcasts. Right. You know those sort of personalities. It's like that. These are all people that have audiences on Twitch that are brought in to do this channel. The thing, the unifying factor for virtually all of them is they're known for speed running, right. which is a very different style of video game play than what I do. In fact, what, what people, what Tony and I do, what most gamers do, speed runners call casual. Yeah. We're called, that's, a, they don't mean it in a derogatory way, but they refer to it as playing the game casual. Playing the game casual could also be described as playing the game as it was meant to be played. Right. So these are people that specialize in variety of conditions because different games have different categories. Just like you might have a 50 meter dash and a 100 meter dash. They've got things like 100% clear where you have to get all the main items in the game. No glitches. Or, or no glitches. So you can't cut through walls. Any percent where get to the end however quickly yeah, as you can. Whatever you do. Yeah. It, it's all and nice. not everyone who plays a game plays all those variants. They, they specialize in what they like to do. The thing is, it's so different. That's really interesting to watch. And most of this stuff wraps up very quickly. Yeah. There are only a handful of games that go over three hours in the, in the time block. And in fact, sometimes what they will do is in the evenings for people that are willing to stay up, that's when they'll schedule things like the RPGs that are still going to take five hours yeah. to win and stuff. Yeah. Like the Final Fantasy eight run, which was. I don't remember. I yeah. want to say that was like they an eight-hour run. They've changed this up, and I think it was really smart. Well, I could not keep myself up to watch Super Metroid Impossible. They used to end the event every year with a massive RPG. They do like the Super Metroid, and then they do like a five- to seven-hour RPG, which I think most right. of the audience went to bed on because yeah. this is too long, uh, too long to watch. Um, 
But anyway, so I assume you want to run through some highlights. I was going to, yep. I was saying I'd run through some of my okay. highlights. I watched and- an, I watched a number of, of, of games as well. So some of this stuff looks familiar to yeah. me. Now I will throw out like my daughter's highlight is always going to be the Pokemon games because she's a Pokemon girl, but also the Hat and Time speed run because she loves the Hat and Time. Mm. So, and it was a race, which means she loved it even more. Uh, since they were playing against, yeah, races, races are fun. Races are fun. Um, my highlights, my first real highlight was from day one. It was the Binding of Isaac Afterbirth. That Plus. was really good. And it was a, it was a modded game. Yes. It was using the R plus seven mod, the season six of the R plus seven mod, which is a mod for Binding of Isaac Afterbirth Plus, specifically designed for racing. Yes. Where you go through and you play as seven characters. Yeah. You have to play, you have to beat the game. As seven characters, yeah, seven different characters, right? And, and you get to pick the order in which you play them, right? But you, but, it, but, it, but it, for racing, it's good because everyone plays the same characters. Yeah. They have the same stuff, and it's like, and, and they've got different rules that have been adjusted, right? Like, uh, there's a like to, one of your ma- like one one of your matches is guaranteed to get a rare item in a you know you'll get you know you're going to get certain amount of good stuff, right? Uh, to be fair, because yeah, it's it, such a it's such a roguelite yeah. that you can have terrible runs if there's no control. Right. And you and, and unlike a normal game, you start with a little indicator showing you basically where the boss room is. It doesn't mm. show you how to get there, but it shows you where it is so you can rush through it. Right, right. Um, so that was fun. That I was really a lot of that. fun. And they didn't they didn't actually race that. It was just one guy yeah. playing it, but it was awesome. Just and, because yeah, you just because uh, Binding of Isaac is so item dependent. And right. he got such dramatically different builds, and he'd even re-roll some of his stuff. Even <laughs> when he had good stuff, he would yeah. to show us different things. And so it was just it was a good clinic on someone who really knew how to play that game. Which yeah. I do have Binding of Isaac. It's actually my favorite roguelite, I'd say, of any that I've played. I'm not good at it though. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not I, I, I don't have Afterbirth. Plus. I don't have Afterbirth Plus. Either. I might get it though because there's been a lot of changes and balance changes, and it looked like a lot of fun. Uh, my next highlight was the Super Mario Brothers 3 100% race, which means no cheats, no warps. Mm. They had to go into every single major level. And that was a race that was very, it was very close. Uh, especially for two of the players. It was a three person race. And I want to say their finish times was like one hour, 10 minutes and like 40 some odd seconds, one hour, 11 minutes and like 15 seconds. Mm. And then like one hour, 14 minutes. Because one guy had some really bad luck, but yeah, it was enjoy. It was it was a lot of fun to watch. Because normally, when you see, especially, I mean, a the nostalgia factor of Mario Brothers three, but b normally when you see any Mario Brothers three speed run, it is an any percent, and they're doing you know the warps and this and that, and you're looking at you know a fifteen minute game. Yes. So to see it be a hundred percent race, that was pretty cool. My favorite on the races uh, was. I'd say was actually Mega Man X. I didn't watch that one. Mega Man X was a four person race. And the reason was it just ended up that two of the players were neck and neck. Their difference on time was eight seconds, I believe. And then the other two that had more mishaps happen were neck and neck. And their spread in time was like three seconds. And, but the difference between the first place and fourth place was a minute four. So it was all really good. Oh, just, so I saw had, the I saw the interview after that one was so done. It just yeah. it worked out. You actually had high stakes because a lot of times what well, will you know again, like with the Super Mario's where you still have the two people that were really tight, you know, once someone starts to there's no catching up. Right. 
is the thing. Sometimes the people covering it who are the announcers will try and hype it. But it, once you see enough of these things, it's like they'd have to just like totally fail. And these people are so muscle memory. It's just, right. They won't. Yeah. Cause I saw the interview after the mega, the, the mega man race. Cause that was the one where like the difference was, was like literally in one spot, two of the players made a trick and the other two yep. failed the trick. And that's what separated and them that's what separated by like them. the 52nd. Yeah, yeah, and they were separate for the rest of the game. Yes. Yeah, I saw yeah. the interview afterwards. Yeah. I didn't but what was nice that. is that it wasn't just one who didn't make the trip right. or one who did. So you actually had two who were tight and another two who were tight. So everyone had a close race. Yeah. So that was fun. Uh, oh, Fallout. The Fallout Anthology. That was anthology main I didn't know what Fallout Anthology meant. That was. I didn't either. I wasn't uh, sure. Did you blink during Fallout One? Because if you did, you missed it. Yeah, it was like what was it like? Six, six minutes. minutes. Yeah, yeah, six minutes for to to get through Fallout One. I mean the the, the total runtime was two hours and something, and most of it was four. <laughs> and four was yeah, like yeah. half of it. Yeah, four was fifty percent, and <laughs> uh, because it was just like uh, one. One was a joke. Uh, two was notably longer, but still a very short game. Notably longer, but still like fifteen minutes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he broke. He broke three really quick. Yeah, he did. I think he spent more time trying. He's like, I just need to pull this one trick off, and once I pull this trick off, I think he spent like four or five minutes trying to get this trick to trigger right, and then once mm-hmm. it triggered, it was just like, ah, uh, done. And uh, the the new Vegas run was actually my favorite. It was. Awesome. All the little tricks where he had the, like, the I got to go and judge them. All right. They've been found unworthy. <laughs> and he like, because he did that little cannon where he like, he'd shoot a grenade up in the air and they jump and it detonate just as he was like reloading and it caused this thing. And he would literally just fly across the yes. screen. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's just, like, okay, well, I picked up those like nine places. So I'm going to do a same. Yeah. I got, uh, yeah. So, cause we've got fast travel, but we have to visit the places first. So I'm going to use the grenades a couple of times. And I'm going to fly to where we need to go and then we'll be ready. Yeah. Just using glitches and stuff. That was amazing. And then the sheer hilarity of fallout four. And the fact that he had to pull out a prop while there was, he was going through a yeah, slow to, point yeah. to explain, okay, that's, it's, like really, it's just this. easier to show you. Here's this prop I pre-built to show you what I have to do in yeah. this area to do all this. Yeah, was, right, because right, <laughs> a, a lot of what he did involved clipping and then the game reassigning you where you're supposed to be. But it worked different in Fallout 4 than in the other games. So right. He, was, he got out his prop to sh- while we were waiting <laughs> for a cutscene or something yeah. to, to show us. How it works. So, it, yeah. it was just hilarious because he took like two and a half minutes to pull out this prop and show us exactly what he was going to do to save 40 seconds of game yeah. game. No, time. that was a lot of fun. I really liked that. that. I, and all the tricks, I the glitches and stuff in Fallout 4 and the weird things they found and every, it was insane. It was crazy. There's stuff happening. It's like, how could somebody even find this? Mm. I mean, how did you even... That's the thing with, with Games Done Quick, period, is a lot of these speed runs is you see stuff and it's like, who in the world found this and made and figured out how what happened to make it repeatable? Yeah, it's maybe they got communities. A lot of it lives on Discord now. Yeah, so. it does. It's it's impressive. Um, my next highlight, uh, which came immediately after Fallout yes, Anthology, I did watch this. It was not a long run. <laughs> no, it was the Outer Worlds any percentage run, which they ran in like. The, the, the sub 20. Yeah. His, his estimate was 25 minutes. I think it came in well short. I think it was like 14 minutes is what it was. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I just built in a lot of padding in case something went wrong. Well, because they did, they were doing a, the ray, the route he ended up doing was the fastest route. He built in extra padding because they were, uh, running 
a contest for three endings. Mm-hmm. And the ending, when the game started, the ending with the most money was the ending they would go for. And that was the fastest ending. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's what it was, is the other endings took a little bit more time. And then he also built padding in for those endings. So, uh, uh, after that was the uh, Mike Tyson's punch out. I didn't watch that. Two players, one controller, and they were blindfolded. So they had to play the whole game off sound cues. Mm. It was hilarious. And I mean, and they won. They did great. And that was one of those bonus games where people, it was a hidden bonus game for people to throw money in to unlock. And it didn't take very long. It was just a lot of fun. And it was hilarious because they're sitting there with one NES controller between them. One of them hitting A and B, the other hitting the D-pad, just listening to sound cues to beat everybody, including Tyson, in Punch-Out. Yep. It was pretty cool. I Uh, I didn't see your your Subnautica that you mentioned earlier. I didn't see Subnautica originally. I had to watch the VOD. Ah. Because it was one of the ones I was really interested in because I love Subnautic. It's a lot of fun. And it's so much to the point where after watching the VOD, I actually spent a fair amount of time yesterday playing it. Not speedrunning it. Just playing it for fun. Because to speedrun it, you basically have to have the entire map memorized. Because hmm. he would drop in the water and go, okay, I need to go. Oh, there's some wrecks over here. I'm going to go this way and go straight to everything. So, uh, but it was interesting because it was he was able to A, do it, and B, do it in such a way that it doesn't give any of the story away. Oh. Yeah, a lot of times with speed runs, unless it's a hundred percent, it's usually say like I still haven't started out our limits yet, and I was like, well, given he says he's going to beat it in twenty five minutes, I'm not worried about having this st- spoiled because I'm not going to see the game. Yeah, no, you, and you didn't. No, you didn't see it at all. And the same way with Subnautica, he's like, he showed you some stuff and building some stuff, but it was he had you know spawn points for stuff memorized and patterns memorized and the map memorized, and uh, he had places where you could clip through stuff, memorize that he could go through and do everything. So he was able to beat the game and really barely even breathe on the story. There was one point where he goes, if you don't want to hear anything story line related to Subnautica, I need you to look away for two minutes. And then he said, okay, we're done. And that was like the only part that even brushed the story was because there was no way to do it without to beat right, the game right. without brushing that bar. But that was literally it. The most of the rest of the run was without it. The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past randomizer. That m- might be my highlight. I, w- I couldn't watch it all because I had to go somewhere. And that was because they booked three and a half hours. And I watched it all. And I guess he actually did finish. He did. Because I was like, I don't think he's going to. Fi- Man, I don't think he's going to finish when I had to go shovel <laughs> out my driveway. But but um, this, it was. Okay, so uh, I'm, I was familiar with the randomizer. Yep. There are a number of classic games that are available with a randomizer option where you can go in and run this randomizer and your your map and your dungeons will all be laid out as you're familiar with. But what they do is the items that you need to make progress are randomly assigned instead of being where they always were. Yeah. So you games. go into, so like you go into the, the dungeon that no, normally this has this has my whistle that I need and you open up the chest where the whistle is and you get uh, hat. Right. Now, the randomizers are designed so that the game is always winnable. So they'll never make it so you can't get to right get get to an item that would be necessary to get to another item. You know, like you can't have a you can't have a loop on itself. Right. Sort of so they're they're coded like that. But the th- big difference that was new to me was this crowd control mod, which you participated with. I participated. So this basically it took Twitch bits and you could turn them into some coin currency, and yep. then the coin currency could be used to. Provide things that either helped or hindered the player. 
Yes. Supposedly there were things that helped the player in there. I saw someone send him some arrows. Yeah, there was some stuff. Some people did, like like 10%. But, it, it, I mean, it had things where people and things would, co- they would cost different amounts and you could you could just pay all the coins needed to fully pay for something. Or you, there was a pool option where you could, oh, I'll put 20 coins towards this. Right. And everybody keeps pooling up. And when it, when it hits the number needed, it would fire. And then there was a cooldown period, so you couldn't just chain him with one thing. Right. But, I mean, there was stuff like uh, chicken attack, where chickens would just fly around on the screen everywhere. Apparently, much more devastating than I realized. Yeah, especially because there was another one that people like to key up, so they will both win at the same time, which was one-hit kill, which means it doesn't matter how much life you have, one hit kills you no matter how Mm -hmm. much life you have. Yep. Um, People sent kill commands, which would just straight up kill him. The character just dies. Just dies. Uh, there's something with uh, like boxes or something. Yeah, there there are these enemies that little round bouncy enemies that would appear that if, when he bought it they'd appear around him and like move around him and try to move into him and block his movement. Mm-hmm. And, and those got him a few times. Um, you could disable his whistle, which takes away the fast travel ability. You could downgrade the weapon, his sword, so he yep. loses all the sword abilities. It's yep. like the very beginning of the game with no charge or nothing. And you could also go, a lot of times he was having to run on ice physics, yep. so his character was sliding. And one that it's very hard to see, but was often, almost always in play, you could swap the controls, invert, switch buttons, like the D-pad becomes buttons and the buttons become parts of the D-pad. Yeah. And, and you could invert. Or you could do both at the yes. same time. And so, and the person running this is someone who is very, very good at randomizer. Right. So he was he was very trained. With, in fact, he was very familiar with crowd control as well. I don't know. It was the worst run I ever saw. <laughs> it, was, I was, it was Because enjoyable. when I heard about crowd control and I'm looking at this, I'm like, I would never be able to survive the sw- constant switching of the control. Who, who does what? And somehow he's still walking, but- he, you know, someone had switch on him, so he try and open a chest, and he drop a bomb on himself. Right, and, and there know. were times, there, there, there were times where they would swap the controls, like as he was like getting ready to walk away from a uh, uh, a cliff. The, the invert controls would hit just in time, so instead he'd walk off the cliff. Yep. Or so as he was like moving around to like sorting his inventory, so he'd drop something he needed. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. he'd go and he'd open up a bunch of chests and he'd go in with 15 bombs and he'd need to blow a hole in a wall and then all the bombs were taken away. Yeah, because they did remove bombs. <laughs> yep. And he'd just be standing there and like not knowing what to do because he needs bombs. Or he'd pick up the item he needed and he'd die before it logged into his yep. thing. So he had to go pick the item up again. I mean, yeah. it was... So it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, it, it was. I don't know how much fun it was for him. <laughs> I don't know because yeah, they have a. He was a really good sport, and he was oh, yeah. pretty funny. No, I'm, I'm sure they must have known going in, though. Other than they never used an audience of this size because the the number of people watching on Twitch, I didn't look at that. It point. was over 200. Okay. I was gonna say, uh, except at the dead of night, AGDQ is usually over 100,000 people, yeah. constantly. So it's just it so was over 200. You had people like, on Twitch doing this to him, and people in the crowd were doing it to him. And his own couch was <laughs> was doing it to him. Which they were controlled. monitoring. They were monitoring. I don't know. I saw some of those names <laughs> listed, and I think a few of them were monitoring a little more aggressively <laughs> yeah. than others. <laughs> also, a, sh- a shout out to Pat, the most negative couch person I've ever seen. I have to wonder if he actually gets people mad at him. Because all he did was troll this guy the entire time. Well, not just that. He, he trolled the people 
with the donations. Yeah. He trolled. I mean, it was, it was, it was the most like enjoyable someone, run. Yeah. People was like sending a donation with this, like a pun. And he'd be like, that doesn't even make sense. What a terrible donator. What a terror. We don't, we don't want your donation now. We have to take it to fight cancer, but we don't like you. You probably like this runner. He sucks. He's a bad person. He's just a bad Gosh, person. it would sure be terrible if someone just immediately killed him before he picked up the boss item. Wouldn't that be sad? I wouldn't be sad, but everyone else might be sad. Let's be sad together. <laughs> it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. That yeah. was my that was my favorite of everything. That was it was that was really good. Um, I also really liked, and I liked this when they did it on the first one, the relay with uh, Mario Maker. Yes. Because they did one a, a year or two ago with on the Super Mario one. Maker 1 yeah. with a four-person relay where they've got uh, maps made, but the players have never played them before. Yeah, and so these are hard. These yeah, are like hard. really hard. And they brought in top-tier Mario Maker because. Mario guys making maps in Mario Maker, they, they have fans. There are people that are known for this stuff who, with their own styles, like pinball designers. Right. Well, and and it creates a feel because in the interview after, even one of the guys who did really had a really good run on one of the maps he saw blind is like, oh yeah, I've played every map this this designer made. I know him. He's my favorite designer. So I knew the kind of beats he normally puts in. That's why he did so good on the blind section of that run is because he had a good feel for that specific designer. Yeah. Stupid Boom Boom. I was cheering for the other team. And then I realized <laughs> that Boom Boom had better players. I was like, oh, my God. It still, though, was really close. It was super close. And there were several times Like where, two draws and then... Yeah. And there were several times where one team would be way ahead of the other one and then get caught on something. And yep. the other team would finally get past yep. what they were caught on. And then they would just blow past the section the other team was caught. It was really good. Not to mention the whole musical chairs fact that they have to stand up and rotate chairs yep. for players. Yeah. No, that one was lots of fun. And then the final one of the night, which I watched... Half of before I fell asleep. Yeah, I didn't see it. Yeah, it was Super Metroid Impossible, which was a which is a modded version of Super Metroid from like 2006 that was designed to never be beaten. And the guy running it is one of like two people in the world that are proven to have beaten the game, mm. and he's done it like five times. One of which was deathless. I don't know if last night's was deathless. I fell asleep. Right, right, but. It was pretty impressive in the half of it that I watched. Yeah. It was an interesting choice. I, I did want to see it. It's just that it was so late by the time Mario Maker wrapped up. Uh, for those that don't, there are exceptions, which is good because it's getting a little tired. But it used to be that AGDQ and SGDQ always, like their penultimate or ultimate game was Super Metroid. Yeah. It's one of the most popular speedrunning games there is. There's a high level of proficiency, and they usually put in all sorts of weird rules like reverse boss order, uh, deathless, some, something yeah. like that. And the reason was for a long time, as part of the charity drives, the one that got the most money put towards it, which now is much, much smaller on the list, which I, I think this is a good change, was kill or save the animals. Right. Which was, you. there's a room. It's faster to kill the animals, which means you just don't go to the room. But right. You let them out, you save them. And that used to be their big, like a lot of the t-shirts were designed around. I have one, which is actually like a Grim Reaper Samus, which in Latin says kill the animals. It's <laughs> how <laughs> I wear it. I think people really think I'm like really dark in the metal or something. <laughs> like they don't know what this says. It's just about animals. It's just, you got to save the frames. 
So, Gotta save the frame. So anyway, it was a lot of fun. Um, SGDQ will probably be July. At some, uh, typically. Think, June or July. June or July. Yeah. It, it hits in the summer when kids are home, so they yeah. get they get a good watch. I'll watch as much of it as I can, just like I did with AGDQ. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I definitely recommend, if you've not watched any of them, you can go watch some of the VODs of some oh, yeah. of the ones we've talked about, or wait till summer and watch it. And I just... I've fallen so far behind on everything yeah. this week because that's literally I would sure. come home from work and I would fire uh, it up. Watch it. Watch a game that you know. Yeah. Uh, and because even though you may never plan to speed run it, you might see some good tricks that make like I took tricks from Doom 2016 and used it to make bosses easier. Uh huh. Like, I did that not like last BFG year. stacking. Oh BFG yeah. Stacking on you know last, what? Yeah. It works. Do it. Yeah. It makes it a lot easier. So yeah. anyway, I've done that too. So yeah. Well, that's it. We've done it. We've covered everything. Everything. We'll be back in a couple weeks. We'll cover everything then. Yeah, probably. Or at least everything we're interested in. Until then, you can reach us at eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com or facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast. We're available on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch as eclectic underscore gamers. And until next time, I'm Dennis. I'm Tony. And we'll talk to you then. See ya.